You ready? 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 Watch out, Grapefruit! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the next three hours. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Steve Kent, and I am joined with me by Lou, as always. Uh, Lou, welcome to the show tonight. Thanks, Steve. Uh, A reminder to anybody who listens to our show, whether it is on the archives or if you're listening to it live, if you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by subscribing uh, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music by searching Missy AE. Uh, a little bit of a disclaimer as well for tonight's show. My phone is acting up kind of, so if you hear random music go on in the middle of the show, that's because I am trying to reconnect. And hopefully we don't have the, the problem like we had a couple weeks ago, but uh, usually this ha- this ends up happening around the time that the next payment for my phone ends up going through. So hopefully we will be fine for tonight. But, uh, Lou, you know, I guess we should start off with uh, some craziness going on in college football. I mean, yes. my God, my God, you know, no. first off, we have a barn burner going on right now between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma that right State now. leads – Leads by a touchdown, twenty-four to seven or twenty-four to seventeen, with about three minutes to go in the se- in the uh, second quarter. But you know, I think nobody expected uh, the four overtime games that we saw today between Alabama and Auburn. First yeah. off, Al- Alabama was in serious jeopardy of potentially being kicked out of the college football playoff. Which, I mean, let's face it, you know, they have the SEC title game next week against Georgia, but really, is is, is there anybody really expecting Alabama to beat Georgia with how Georgia has been red hot Not this me. Year? Not me, but of course, you have the diehard... You have the diehard Crimson Tide fans like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna win this. You know, we're Alabama. We can we can get through this. I'm not so sure because one thing for sure, you haven't played like you have in the past years. You know, you're dominating offense and defense. Your defense is your defense sucks this year, and that's what may cost you in the end against Georgia. Georgia's been very strong this year on offense and defense. So I think uh, you better put your money where your mouth is, buddy, because this is not the same Alabama team that has won those championships previously. Clearly, I mean, just going yeah. off of today's matchup, going off of today's matchup against Auburn. This is a, a six and five Auburn, well now six and six Auburn team that they should have handily beaten, and they were they were held scoreless all the way up until the fourth quarter when right. they got a, they ended up getting a field goal with I think about ten minutes or so left, and then. Ultimately, they ended up converting on a last, like, literally 25 seconds or less touchdown within the last 25 seconds of the game. And, you know, they said that if 
if Bryce Young was going to make a, was going to make a case for himself to be the Heisman Trophy winner, he would need a big moment in today's game, and he got that moment with that touchdown. Uh, with that, with that touchdown to Jacory Brooks hmm. in this matchup. I mean, it was, and keep in mind they were without James and Williams for most of the game after he was taken out of the game due to a uh, targeting penalty. Yes. And, you know, Alabama's, Alabama's offense, I don't know what was going on. Uh, I know Brian Robinson, he re-aggravated his injury that he's been dealing with, his ankle injury. Uh, so mm-hmm. he missed a certain portion of the, of the uh, game. But, I mean, hell, they had you, – you were facing a team – that was running not just a backup kicker, but also a backup quarterback who was practically mm-hmm. hobbling down the field in TJ Finley. Yes. And Finley, I mean, he, he went 17 of 26 for 130. He only threw 137 yards and two touchdown passes, and he got picked off once. Should have gotten picked off twice. But uh, one of those was called back for roughing the passer, which I, mm. I don't know if you watched. I don't know if you watched the game, Lou, but that didn't look like a roughing the passer penalty to me. I did hear about. It. I was watching the Penn State Michigan State game actually when that occurred. Yeah, because it was. I mean, you have to be more than one step in order for it to be considered roughing the passer, or you need to, you know, go for the legs. And right. neither ne- neither situation occurred. So no. Technically, I mean, it doesn't matter anyways because uh, Alabama was able to hold Auburn in that uh, in that series. But ooh, a huge pick right now, j- just now by oh, Oklahoma. It is it. it is a pick six. Or wait, are they going to call this back? They might call this back. Party pooper. Yeah, it looks like they it looks like they're they're bringing it back to the ten yard line. I think. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, ten, okay. But you know, Alabama they were able to hold uh, Auburn, or yeah, they were able to hold Auburn to uh, a three and out, anyways. So okay. Alabama ended up getting the ball back, despite that roughing the passer call. Uh, right, you know, it, it's just if you look at today's matchup, I find it yes. very hard to believe that Alabama is going to be able to stack up against Georgia. I don't think so. Considering, I mean, there are those diehard fans that say they will, but the reality is, this is not the same. This, like I said, this is not the same team. No, definitely not the same. Oh, team. No, 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 no. and. And, okay, maybe they lose to Georgia in the SEC title game, and they still could technically get in with an 11-2 and record into the college football playoff. But I don't know. You know, even if they do get into the college football playoff, this isn't the same Alabama. I mean, this isn't even the same Alabama team from last year with Matt Jones at the helm. So, yeah, he's going to get rookie of the year anyway. You you think you think Mac Jones is going to get? Rookie I think of the he's year? going to get rookie of the year. You can call me. You can you well. You don't have to call me on that if you don't want to. But I see that uh, Jones is, is likely to get a rookie of the year. 
Well, I mean, really, his uh, his real big threat, if anything, is Jamar Chase out of uh, huh. yeah. out of Cincinnati. I mean, his, his his real threat right now is Jamar Chase, who has eight touchdowns, yes. uh, 47 catches, 867 yards. He's averaging about 18.4 yards per uh, yards per catch. But then again, keep okay, in mind, okay. you know, a lot of people believe that just like the MVP award, a lot of people believe that the rookie of the year is very quarter is is weighted heavily on quarterbacks. So maybe perhaps. Mm that might be what propels Mac Jones over over Jamar Chase. But I don't know. I just I – th- I think it's definitely going to be a uh, – going to be a tight uh, – a tight window between the two, depending on – I think a yeah. lot of it will depend on – a lot of it will, will depend on where the Patriots finish, I feel. Because keep in mind, this is – Mac Jones, obviously a, a rookie quarterback coming into the league – uh, you know, granted, he's going he's going from an NFL ready system to begin with in Alabama uh, to an NFL system in New England, pretty much the same system, essentially. Uh, but I guess maybe an, uh, one one big one big thing is they started out two and four throughout the, through their first Correct. six games and ever since then they've been on a they've been on a huge winning streak ever since five straight they could make it six straight uh with a win over the titans tomorrow who, who by the mm-hmm. way are going to be very short-handed from what i've heard uh there's yeah. gonna be no aj brown there's no aj brown for the titans uh they're going to be calling up i think uh golden tate who they had literally just okay. signed this past week golden tate but you know it's. I mean, this, this even even though a lot of people say don't sleep on the uh, on the Tennessee Titans, I they re, they released mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson. They, I granted they're getting Hilliard back, so he he'll probably be the starting running back. But right, for the most part, you know, with uh, with Derrick Henry still out. Julio Jones is still out, uh, and obviously AJ Brown has been officially listed as out. You know, there's, and actually AJ Brown was uh, was placed on injured reserve today, so uh, he's, you know, he's going to be out until at least week 16, if anything. You know, it's mm. it's it's looking very. It's looking very grim right now for Tennessee tomorrow. But I mean, they can they can kind of you know they can they can kind of uh, suffer the loss without any real repercussions because I believe. Yeah. Let me double check. Let me double check the standings. I believe they have. Yeah, they got about a two game lead on Indianapolis, which. I mean, let's be honest, Tampa, let's be honest, Tampa Bay against Indianapolis. I don't think Indianapolis is going to beat Tampa Bay this week. So, you know, assuming that Indianapolis loses, Tennessee can, can technically afford to lose and still be in good shape uh, for following this week's matchup. 
But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, things are definitely going uh, good for Mac Jones so far to where yes, they maybe are. perhaps he could maybe perhaps he could be crowned rookie of the year. I think uh, as far as offensively goes, you know, the, the the top two are clearly Mac Jones and Jamar Chase at this point. Mm-hmm. For the AFC at least. But yeah, you know, uh going back to Alabama, I mean, this it very clearly is not the same Alabama team that people remember from from years past right. because Auburn is a team that they should have handled. Yes. That literally overtime should not have even been considered a question as to, you know, would there be overtime, would there not be overtime? Overtime shouldn't have even been in consideration. And the fact that they even got – and by the way, I finally got the overtime rules down now. So it's starting with yeah, the second – starting starting with the second overtime is when they they uh, force you to do two-point conversions. Right. But but the, the, the main difference is, is the second overtime, you can still run the full, you know, try and go for a touchdown. Uh but instead, instead of doing a field, instead of doing an extra point, you would have to attempt a two-point conversion. Whereas, yeah. starting with the third overtime, it's just two-point conversions. There's no attempt at a touchdown. That's right. Pretty much the main difference. I finally got that. Uh, but the thing that is that right you're you're there. from the from the two-yard line from that point on, which is like yeah. is like way too much of a gimmick. True. It's it's definitely uh, you know I, I, there's been a lot of criticism too about this uh, about this rule that they that they oh, put shit. in place uh, this season. Uh, a lot of people felt that it kind of took away from the overall game today. The fact that it was that you, you go from from uh, the first two overtimes being competitive to all of a sudden now having to you know, having to rely on a single two-point conversion attempt per round. And from my understanding is a lot of people, a lot of people felt that kind of took away uh, from the significance of the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the overtime rules are are, are really screwed up. And I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of the original overtime either because that was like you know oh we'll kick it to, uh, we'll touch down we'll kick extra point then we'll do the same and they'll say it was it was monotonous. I mean the, the yeah. overtime rules just get just get more stripped every year ever since it was adapted to it. Look, do the pro, do the, do the all... NFL rule. Do a ten minute overtime period. If it ends if it ends at tie, it ends at tie. Okay, case closed. Yeah, that, was, that nine was overtime game was, was absurd. I was I was about to bring that up if uh, if maybe we may eventually see them adopt uh, NFL rules to where you better uh, as far as overtime as far as overtimes go you get one single overtime and the only difference would still be that each team would still get a possession right unlike the NFL unlike the NFL where if you score the if if the first
first team that gets the first possession, if they score a touchdown, the game's over. Uh, college right. would obviously remain. Uh, college would obviously remain the same. Where if the first team gets a touch gets a touchdown, then the second team would still have a chance to get to get possession, which would be obviously different right. from how the NFL does it. So right. I don't know. Maybe maybe we may eventually see uh, college football adopt that style, especially you if uh, the, the whole ridiculous. two points. Especially if the whole two-point conversion uh, rule, you know, continues to gain a lot of gain a lot of hatred against it. It it does. I mean, I don't think anybody's really in favor of this at all. No, I, uh, I I'll t- I'll tell you one thing. I it kind of took away from me, uh, you know, even though even though they start from the twenty-five yard line each overtime. You know, when it comes mm-hmm. to trying to uh, trying to attempt to score a touchdown uh, or attempt a field goal or whatnot, I would kind of prefer that as opposed to combating two point conversions back to back, like the like the new rule uh, has put in place. Yeah, see, the thing is, but, the, the only difference the difference is though. Um, uh, before you get to a fifth overtime, which is still pretty rare, um, you would go for a touchdown, and then in the third you would go for go for two. But after a touchdown, here you're just going for a two points conversions. Uh, which yeah, doesn't yeah, really starting make a lot with the sense. third, starting with yeah, starting with the third overtime. It 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 does not make sense whatsoever uh, with no. the uh, with this new rule. But I guess maybe they want to try and. Uh, save a little bit of time or something. I don't know. It's it still doesn't it still doesn't make save sense. Save time. They're exhausted. Well, because you because you know it's it's almost sort of like baseball. Like if say say you give each team an opportunity to continue to go down the field, uh, even though you're starting at the 25 yard line, uh, yeah. to go down and try and get and try and get a touchdown. You know, it may continue to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But then again, the same thing occurs with the two-point conversion rule uh, mm-hmm. that's now in, that's now in place. But uh, we, you know, this this game it could have had huge college football playoff implications. Where yes. if Alabama lost, if Alabama lost, it's all you would almost consider it to be a season ender. Because I mean, let's face it; they would have to they would have to beat Georgia in the SEC title game to to honestly really even have a chance to somehow still stay in the playoff race. Uh, and even After next that. week, you know, even 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 with the win today, uh, if they lose to Georgia, they still may not uh, make it into the college football playoff. Depending on what happens with the other teams, I mean, you got Michigan with their shocking win over Ohio State. Uh, I guess it's I guess it's safe to say that Michigan is indeed for real. You wouldn't? No, I don't really call it shocking. I mean, the rivalry like this, this can go it it could win either way. I wasn't really was really shocked. I was hoping, you know, it was it was really a toss up the whole game. I didn't really see it as a shock at all. I mean, it was a, it was a huge game for Hassan Haskins, though 169 yards and five touchdowns. 
on yes. just 28 yep. carries. Uh, he was pretty much their entire <laughs> offense the entire game. Hell, uh, Cole Ma- or, or Cade McNamara uh, didn't even throw a single yeah. touchdown this game. It, you know, when you compare the two quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud very clearly had the better day despite only putting up 27 points. Uh, 300, 394 yards, two touchdown passes for C.J. Stroud, while McNamara, 13 of 19, 159 yards and a pick. But, you know, the the real story of of this game was the run game uh, for Michigan, which pretty much propelled them to the 42 to 27 upset over OSU. And, you know, here's here's the big question, Lou. Does this yeah. does does this take Ohio State out of the running? Mm. I'm afraid it does. I mean, with two losses, uh, I think that's going to be, um, you know, a serious doubt. But it's all up to, all up to the committee. But um, I think that's going to. I think it's going to be a problem. I think Ohio State just may have locked itself out of getting into of getting into the uh, final four. So um, my guess I mean, is pretty you, much, you, yeah, you it, at, it is. You look at you look at where the standings are right now in the college football playoff yeah. rankings, and well, hang on, I think I've got the yeah I've got this right. Okay, so because I was confused because I'm looking I'm looking at ESPN right now and it says week nine, but right. it's like wait a minute, week nine, but yet they've played twelve games. Uh, yeah, so how does this nine, make I don't sense? Think so. uh, but it says. So so basically it says here that obviously Georgia, you know, they're twelve and oh, they're they're on the top spot yeah, regardless. Uh Ohio State came in at number two with a ten and one record. They lose today. Cincinnati and Michigan both win. You would have to assume that especially with how Alabama struggled against Auburn. Does Cincinnati potentially leapfrog Alabama for for the number two spot, and Michigan maybe Michigan slides in at number four? I would I would think so, or maybe uh, Notre Dame. I mean, I, the loser of that match today was going to I think drop out anyway since they had two losses. So no matter who lost, one of them was going to drop out of the top four. Yeah. Well, That's clearly, what the game was yeah. all about. I mean, Who's going to survive? Well, Michigan, Michigan wasn't even in the top four, anyways. They uh, they have been on the cusp of the top four. They're, they they were ranked I think, number yeah, well, five, number five. Today. So a win would, yeah. you know, I think nearly guarantee them to get into the top four, and a loss that's like, uh, you know, you're you're done. But you also have Notre Dame and Oklahoma State knocking on the door as yes. well, and. Oklahoma State, you know, they currently are deadlocked 24 apiece now against uh, Oklahoma at, at the half. So assuming mm-hmm. Oklahoma, assuming Oklahoma State can pull this off, I mean, maybe they would still technically be in the in the conversation still. Technically, uh, Notre yes. Notre Dame, I mean, I mean Notre Dame, they're up 24 nothing against Stanford, but wow. I mean, I would be. I would probably put more weight on an Oklahoma State win than I would Notre Dame over Stanford. So maybe perhaps 
I don't know if I would consider Notre Dame to be in it because, I mean, you're facing Stanford. You know, they're not even ranked. Oklahoma State is facing uh, is facing the tenth ranked team right now. Right. So I would assume that of the teams that will be alive, I mean, technically, you know, based off of based off of uh, off of uh, you know the overall win loss record, yeah, okay, Notre Dame would technically still be in it. But correct, I would mm. consider you're you're probably looking at. Oklahoma State, assuming they beat Oklahoma, uh, they would probably be in the mix. They would be in the mix. Michigan would be in the mix. Cincinnati. And, you know, I just don't know about Ohio State. I do not know if Ohio State would still be in the mix or not. No. With a a 10-2 record. Okay, so, you know, uh, I, I guess the real question is, you know, do you put Michigan in there or do you put Oklahoma State if Oklahoma State ends up winning? If Oklahoma State ends up winning, uh, hmm, tough call. I would, I would think I would go Michigan though. Yeah, I would, I would Based think that Michigan's dominance, Michigan's dominance over yeah. Ohio State today, you know, would would kind of put them ahead of of uh, any of the other competitors on the outside looking in. So, you know, I would probably more than likely Ohio State's going to be out. Uh, Cincinnati, I believe they should be still in. I wouldn't be surprised if they're number two or number three uh, in the yeah. next rankings. And Alabama, I mean. Yeah, they need you know they needed yeah. the win today in order to just stay in the conversation. I would be shocked if Alabama finish is outside of the top four uh, by the end of this right. week. I would be shocked. So uh, obviously, obviously, a lot of things will probably come down to the result of each of the title games next week. Uh, obviously, for the SEC, you got Alabama. And you have uh, and you have Georgia for the Big Twelve. You've got Oklahoma State, and depending on depending on the results of today's game, if if Oklahoma can beat Oklahoma State, then they will rematch next week in the Big Twelve title game. Uh, otherwise, it'll be Oklahoma State against Baylor, uh, thanks to Baylor's win earlier today. Right. Uh, Michigan. Who? Wait a minute. Who would? I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Who? Who would be? Uh, would be facing off against? Uh, against Michigan because. Let me see. So, oh, okay, yeah, it'll be Michigan and Iowa. For the Big Ten championship. Ah, oh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a blowout swing blow for Michigan. And Cincinnati, I mean, their matchup I don't think really really matters that much. So uh, you know, it's the the final rankings could really heavily depend on the result of uh of next week's title games. Yeah. Just from uh, 
just from how from from how it looks like uh, things are going to pan out here. All right, uh, some other games that have uh, that are currently underway. Uh, Texas A and M, they're on, they're in danger, I should say, of potentially being upset by unranked LSU, twenty to ten right now, with a little bit left to go in the third. Uh, you have Pittsburgh with a twenty-one to seven lead over Syracuse, Clemson. They're shutting out South Carolina, twenty to nothing right now. Uh, some finals from earlier today: Georgia shuts out Georgia Tech. Uh, you have hmm. Baylor, obviously, with the win over Texas Tech earlier today, twenty-seven twenty-four, thanks to a miss on a field on a late field goal attempt by Texas Tech. Uh, Oregon with a thirty-eight twenty-nine <laughs> win over Oregon State. Uh, Michigan State with a 30-27 to win over Penn State in what's considered to be the Snow Bowl, as uh, yeah. apparently it was it was coming down pretty hard earlier today. I know. Uh, we have Mich- or Minnesota upsetting 14th-ranked Wisconsin, 23-13. to You got Wake Forest with a 41 to 10 victory over Boston college. Not that tough. Uh, Houston with a 45, 17 victory over Yukon North Texas upsetting 22nd ranked UTSA 45 to 23. And still to come tonight, we have BYU set to go off against USC. Uh But earlier this earlier this week though, uh, Ole Miss with a 31-21 victory over Mississippi State. You had yes. Cincinnati with a 35-13 victory over East Carolina. Iowa 28-21 over Nebraska. Utah with a 28-13 victory over Colorado. NC State 34-30 over North Carolina. Uh, 27-16 San Diego State over Boise State. And Arkansas with a 34 to 17 victory over Missouri. You know, believe it or not, Lou, this is actually the first time in Arkansas history that they've gone 3 and 0 in their trophy uh, games this year. In each of, in each of their each of their trophy games this year, uh they've gone 3 and 0 with a win over obviously the win over uh over Missouri, but they also had the win over uh, over LSU earlier this year, and well, obviously it's the uh, the uh, Missouri game was the Battle Line Trophy. Uh, they also beat Texas A and M earlier this earlier this year for the Southwest Classic Trophy and the Golden Boot, which was the LSU uh, the LSU game. Right. And this was their first victory over Missouri since 2015. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, you know, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people may not be looking at Missouri right now, but they finished eight and four. Yeah. Before, uh, before their bowl game, they finished eight and four uh, in Sam Pittman's second year as a uh, head coach. 
Get, give, uh, give them a little bit of time. I'm telling you, I, I think we may be seeing a new potential threat rising in uh, in the SEC with Arkansas. I wouldn't doubt it. And also, uh, another thing, too, they lost to Alabama. We talked about this last week, that they lost to Alabama by only seven points. That's right. When normally, when normally Alabama steamrolls them most of the time. Yes. So I think it may be very slowly we could potentially be seeing a change of the guard starting to take place in the SEC. So just something to keep an eye on uh, as we as we continue yes. to uh, as we continue to go to go down the road. Uh, later on in college football. But uh, we do have uh, some NBA talk. Uh, first off, a update on the star point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, Ja Morant. Uh, he suffered a left knee injury last night and obviously left a lot of people worried. The good news is it is not a tear. Well, I mean, technically it's a tear, but it's weird. They consider sprains to be t- to be partial tears, I guess. But uh, he has been diagnosed with a left knee sprain. Uh, the timetable isn't exactly uh, revealed yet how long he's going to miss, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, it sounds like it's going to be at least a couple of weeks. But the good news is it's not a season-ending injury, as it looked to be. Well, that's uh, as, as it looked to be at first when the injury first occurred. I mean, he couldn't even, he had to be helped off of the court as he couldn't, he couldn't get off the court on his own power. He couldn't put any weight on it, on his leg whatsoever. Uh, And it's huge for Memphis considering they are currently in the play in uh, the play in tournament discussion uh, at nine and 10. So, uh, you know they're they're a much better they're a much better team though with John ja Morant at the helm as opposed to uh, oh, as yeah. opposed to their backups. So uh, the the lesser Which amount is, of time that John ja Morant has to miss. Uh, let me check. It looks like it looks like Tyus Jones and DeAnthony Melton. Are going to be uh, picking up the slack in his absence. Decent players, decent players. So, but I mean, clearly, you know, they're clearly no uh, takeover type of player like John ja Morant is. Oh no, no, that could literally not. take over a game. So uh, it looks like uh, you know, for now, obviously he's going to be out for the foreseeable future, but. It's not a season-ending injury, so he will be back at some point. Uh, maybe he misses a month. Who knows? Uh, obviously, there's probably going to be more information that will probably come out maybe tomorrow or something or maybe Monday. Yeah. Uh, now, they stand one, one, uh, one place below the very struggling Lakers. Who mm, you can say that again? My my God! In a game that they should have won last night, they how lost do you blow kind of a lead? Seven, I mean, really? They lost. They lost to the seven and twelve 
Sacramento Kings. I mean, this, this is a club, keep in mind, that didn't have Rashawn Holmes. They didn't have – hang on. I'll, gra- I'll grab the uh, – I'll grab the thing here because they didn't have Rashawn Holmes. They didn't have Harrison Barnes. And they were missing one other player. But, but, you know, basically they were missing some key players in that lineup for Sacramento. Especially Barnes. Sacramento was able to beat them in, I I think it was three overtimes that the game went. Four. Uh, three, four, three, right? Okay, no, no, so no, I got no, the confused with no, yeah, the Alabama three. game. So you're right, it's three. So it, I mean, I don't know what is up with this Lakers team, but considering all the talent they have on this yeah. roster, they shouldn't be ten and eleven right now. Could be worse. With, I mean, I guess it could be worse, but still. They shouldn't be 10 and 11 when you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook all on the same team. Although I think yeah. it's clear so far, so far it's been abundantly clear that Westbrook just isn't a fit in this L.A. Uh, lineup. Yeah, I'm getting to one of them because, myself. Because you have three players who all want the ball. And you know how Westbrook loves to put up his triple doubles every single year. So far, I don't yes. think we've even seen one triple. I don't think we've seen one single triple double from him this year. Wow, he's really off then. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still putting up points. But I mean, usually, I'll, I'll give you the Boston, uh, the Boston Celtics game for example. Usually he puts up monster points against the Celtics. The Celtics usually have a yeah. have a hard time trying to guard him. He didn't even break the ten point mark until maybe the fourth quarter. Uh huh. You know it's and actually let me check what he had last night. Okay, so he did. I, I lied. He did have his. Uh, he did have a triple double last night. Twenty nine points, ten rebounds, eleven assists. Uh, but I think a lot of that could have to do with the fact that they went three overtimes as well. Uh, LeBron James he had thirty points, eleven assists last night. Anthony Davis had twenty three points and eight rebounds. Uh, Malik Monk off the bench had twenty points, five rebounds, three assists. And Carmelo Anthony, 16 points, uh, four rebounds, and no assists. That's actually not a surprise because Melo doesn't like to pass the ball anyways. Uh, That's his problem. You know, this, these numbers aren't the type of numbers you would expect from a team who ends up losing in, you know, who ends up losing uh, in three overtimes. And it's – I just don't know what is up with the Lakers this year. I mean, they've been – you know, they, they haven't just been losing, but the fact that uh, – I, yeah. I don't know if you saw what happened last Sunday. Uh, last Sunday, they got into a, uh, into a scuffle with uh, the Detroit yep. Pistons. Isaiah Stewart. Now, the uh, got elbowed, he got elbowed in the face. 
by LeBron, or actually not in the face, particularly in the eye by LeBron James. And I don't know if you saw the replay, Lou, but it did. did it? Do yes. you think it looked intentional? The elbow. Mm, hard to tell, really. But you still got you know you. You know you still got in trouble for it. So obviously, it, you know it must it must have been intentional. I I couldn't really tell or not if it if it was. You know that's a call. I think um, that's up for that's up for debate. Because to me, to me, it looked like the type of elbow that you see in an MMA fight. The type of elbow yeah. that is meant to cut. The type of elbow right. that's meant to cut. It's not an accidental elbow. Mm. But uh, what's even what was even more dumbfounded uh, to see is the fact that Isaiah Stewart he got suspended for two games. Right. Going after LeBron the way that he did, and I mean it's to be expected. And you know, LeBron he gets only elbow got one game, and he only got one game. Yeah, for and he was one that started for hitting Isaiah. Yeah, he's the one that that basically. Well, it, I, I wouldn't say he started it, but you know it's what started the domino effect. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's it's still. I don't know if you can say that he really, you know, that he meant to elbow him or what, but you know, cause they were they were fighting they were fighting off of a, uh, you know, off of a off of a free throw attempt uh, where yes. they're trying to box each other out, and I just found I found it kind of odd with the way that LeBron executed the elbow. That it it kind of looked like it was meant it was meant to make a cut on, yeah, uh, on so. Isaiah Stewart, and you know obviously if you've been cut by somebody, first off, I'm surprised you know I'm surprised Stewart didn't get a concussion with uh, the way that he was yeah. struck. You know you kind of had to think that he probably wasn't in the right mind frame. You know he was probably pissed off to begin with. So of Can't course he's gonna go. He's gonna try to go after LeBron. Starts that whole entire scuffle, and then, you know, I almost thought we were gonna see Malice at the Palace Part Two because I just said he, that he was doing, he was doing everything that he could do to try and get away from his assistant coaches, so that he could then charge at LeBron. He even tried. Uh, when they finally got him to go towards the locker room, he even tried breaking away, or he did break away actually from the coaches. He broke away and started tra- he started blazing down the tunnel, which the tunnel yeah. basically connects over to the Lakers' side, to the uh, to the to the uh, visiting team's uh, side uh, sideline. So. He was going to try to run around, you know, run through the tunnel and go all the way around to where he could get over to the Lakers bench and try to go after LeBron that way. So I guess maybe that's why he got a two-game suspension, but I guess the reason why LeBron happened. I guess the reason why LeBron got less is the fact that, okay, he, he did the elbow, but he... Yeah, he didn't really pursue uh, Stewart 
after okay. after the fact. He, if anything, he was basically being held back by uh, by other play other players and other officials, uh, mainly to probably protect him, I guess, uh, as opposed to you Maybe. know preventing LeBron from going after Stewart to begin with. But well, you, you got pressure. Protect your players. I understand that. Yeah, but it seems um, like you know. I, I think they're just too more lean on LeBron anyway. You know, because LeBron is who he is, who he thinks who he is, and I think maybe it was just you know it was just too light of the punishment. Oh yeah, I do think it was too light of a punishment, uh, especially considering the fact that they didn't suspend, they didn't suspend anybody else that was involved in the, uh, in 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 the whole uh, the whole incident. Because uh, normally you're supposed to suspend – when you're the NBA, you're supposed to hand down suspensions for players that come off of the bench and try to get involved. And we saw that happen with Rajon Rondo. Uh, now, Rondo, he was, they, they, he was shown on the, uh, on the broadcast being held back by, uh, by one of the assistant coaches, but it was clear that he had stepped out onto the court which is something you're not supposed to do, you know, even when an incident like this is occurring. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't, they didn't at least fine some of the, some of the other players that got involved. And that was instead, been, really that been logical two, thing to do. Yeah. But instead the only two that, that really got anything was Stewart and, uh, and LeBron. Mm. That's it. Yes. And keep in mind, you know, they do actually play each other. Uh, yeah. Might be this week, actually, that they play each other. Let me let me double check here. I think, let's see, what is it? The 28th is tomorrow. Yeah, they play each other tomorrow. Yes. So we could potentially ah. see a round two. We could potentially see a round two take place tomorrow night. Oh, retaliation, huh? Okay. Possibly. I think it's possible because uh, Stewart will be, uh, will be available because I think, I think they've already played two games since that, since uh, Sunday's game uh, as far as yeah. Detroit goes. So he will be available for tomorrow night. LeBron obviously played last night, so he'll be available for tomorrow night. Uh, it's uh potentially going to be something to uh to watch if you're uh if you're an NBA fan and I am you can get the you can get the or I, I you know I'm talking uh for anybody in general you know for any uh for any person in general you know if right. they're NBA fans uh that might be a game that you want to keep an eye on cuz we may have a repeat yeah. But let's go to another team. Let's go to another team in the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors. Yes. They're back. 17, 17 and 2. And it was just announced this week that Clay Thompson has been cleared for full practices and is trending toward a return the week before Christmas. Look out. 
So assuming he can stay healthy, not re-injure himself, and be able to come back at full at full uh, full health and prove that he's the same Clay Thompson that he was before he got injured. Mm. Golden State, if they aren't scary already, they're gonna be downright frightening with a health like Clay I said, Thompson look out. being added. I mean, they were doing well mean, down. Imagine what it'll be what they were when they're back with them. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, the Western Conference right now—it's—it's it's almost a dead heat for for the first and second seed with uh, Golden State and the Phoenix Suns literally only being separated by one loss. Right. And that's uh, and that's Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is on a 16-game winning streak actually. Uh, after they beat uh, they beat Brooklyn today. So they're on a 16-game winning yeah. streak right now. You know that's something that's something that you're gonna want that uh you know West uh, West Coast uh, fans are going to uh, are gonna really want to keep an eye on with Golden State and Phoenix because Phoenix they started off slow but they're really starting to come back to be the team that they were last year. The, the yeah. team that ended up uh, that ended up losing in the NBA Finals to the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, but Golden State, man, I'm just just looking at this team, and Jordan Poole, uh, second year player out of Michigan, 18 points per game as a starter. He's averaging 18 points per game or 18.1 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, and 3.4 assists per game. I mean, they're already good enough with Jordan Poole. Yes. Obviously, obviously, with Clay Thompson coming back, I don't know if Thompson's going to immediately be put into the starting lineup or if maybe he'll come mm-hmm. off the bench to start with. But, I mean, this is – it's going to be quite the team that uh you know that other teams are going to have to deal with here because Jordan Jordan Poole I mean he averaged 12 points per game last year and this was of course yeah. without Clay Thompson to begin with now it seems like he's he's having a breakout year this year so yes Assuming that they probably go with Thompson as probably maybe the sixth man off the bench, man, this, you know, I don't, I just, I don't see any team besides maybe Phoenix that could potentially stack up to them in the uh, in the Western Conference because I mean the next best team is Utah at twelve and seven, and then Dallas at ten and seven. Otherwise, you got LA at eleven and eight. The Clippers, that is, mm-hmm. uh, Port- Portland yes. and Minnesota are tied at ten and ten. Mm. And then you got the Lakers at ten and eleven. Mm. So, you know, it really Golden State or Phoenix are pre- and Phoenix are pretty much the two runaway teams in the Western Conference at this point. 
Now, over on the Eastern Conference side, uh, you know, we're further, we're further into the season here. Brooklyn, yes. they're still on top. You got Chicago in, uh, in the second seed. I'm, I'm surprised that Chicago is, uh, is managing, managing to sustain their, uh, their performance so far this season. But they're a game back at 13-7. and seven. Uh, you got Miami at twelve and seven, along with Washington at uh, twelve and seven as well. Charlotte is at thirteen and eight, uh, followed by the Bucks at twelve and eight. The New York Knicks—they've kind of, kind of struggled a little bit this year. Uh, they're just, yeah. just a little bit above five hundred at eleven and nine. Uh, the take... Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks are at eleven and ten. Uh, ooh, actually, that loss today just just uh, snapped their uh, large winning streak. Actually, uh, and you got the Boston Celtics. I mean, they're they're a whole other problem in and of them in and of themselves. Uh, they they sit at ten and ten, along with the Seventy Sixers as well at ten and ten. Yeah, but Embiid came back too. True, Embiid came back, and so did Tobias Harris. Um, yeah. So, and I, I believe Embiid missed like what eight games? Nine with COVID. Nine games with COVID. Yes, nine games. Man, I and and you know with that with that new variant being thrown around too, that supposedly uh, the new Omicron variant, however they're however they're co- Omicron or something, right. however they uh, they're calling it. Uh, supposedly this thing, uh, you know, the vaccines apparently have no effect against it whatsoever. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's possible COVID may, may shoot back up, uh, when it comes to, you know, not just sporting events, but also, but also other, uh, you know, other other yeah. events and other activities and everything. I wouldn't be surprised if potentially uh, we have another potential shutdown that takes place. Oh, I wouldn't doubt either. I think by and you know we're, uh, February, you know we're, we're seeing the same thing. We're seeing the same thing in the NHL too with the Islanders games. Yes. Because uh, yeah, Islanders postponed two of their games already. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday and Tuesday, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like it could extend even further to that. It could potentially extend further depending on the uh, results of other cases. Um, the the league the league cited that additional New York Islanders player uh, player or players had entered the COVID protocol this morning. And up to eight players would potentially be unavailable to play due to COVID protocol, as well as the possibility of additional cases due to COVID spread as the reason for the postponements. And this has really screwed up the Islanders because they are on an eight-game losing streak in part to the fact because they've been playing with a significant portion of their team unavailable due to COVID. So, you know, we, we thought that everything we thought that everything is under control with the vaccines and whatnot. But now that this new so. variant is now that this new variant is supposedly coming out, you know, there's 
there's room for potentially a huge out huge outbreaks to potentially take place. So, yeah. you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, oh no, no. I, potentially, I you know, we see we see uh, another another league shut or another season shutdown potentially for uh, for multiple sports. And actually, Major League Baseball, you know, they only have a couple of days left until Forget the. It. You know, it's possible. Maybe, perhaps, if things rise to such a to such a height, that maybe, perhaps, we won't even have a a baseball season next year. I don't think so either. I mean, you know, because they're going nowhere with their with their discussions. You know, they made they made very little progress, if any at all. And you think they can get something done within the next three to four days? Uh, no, forget about it. Yeah. I uh I find I find it highly unlikely that uh that there'll be any any sort of uh progress whatsoever. I mean I'm not I'm not gonna rob the entire season. I think Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred would be pretty stupid if that happened. But I but I seriously doubt uh spring training is gonna start on time and will delay the rest of the season. So if anything, if there's any hope at all, maybe by this by uh June or July uh they'll to have it resolved. I just don't see it going the whole season, you know, shut down. Well, COVID could potentially play a role, though. Don't forget. If that would be the case, COVID, well, that's that's different. That's nobody's fault, you know. But yeah. it's because of your own stupidity, yes, then it is your fault. That you would be pretty stupid out of your own stupidity to cancel the season. Well, we don't like this deal. We don't like this deal. We offered a county deal. Yeah, but we say, screw that, you know. See, you're heading now into the bitch mode, bitching mode. That's what you're doing now. You're not collective bargaining, you're collective bitching. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, we do we do have one uh one bit of injury news. Uh PJ Dozier, he supposedly suffered a torn ACL in his left knee yep. for the uh Denver Nuggets. Uh so it looks like he is possibly out for the uh out for the rest of the season. Uh and the the Nuggets right now are currently down three max salary players due to injury, and now this just makes their uh, this just makes their season even worse. Losing losing PJ Dozier uh, with his eighteen point nine minutes per game, you know, having to now be redistributed or redistributed. Uh, yeah, it, the the Nuggets they're already struggling as it is, and. They've lost their last six games. They've fallen from nine to three, from nine and three to nine and ten, or I'm sorry, nine and four to nine and ten. So, big drop. You know this. This just makes it even worse for the uh, for the Denver Nuggets here. Now, speaking of Major League Baseball, uh, they're they're obviously with uh, with a lockout looming. Uh, there is yep. a the, there's been basically a uh, the opening of of uh, M, our MLB free agency. You know, we talked about a, about a whole bunch of the moves that had already uh, taken place last week. Uh, there's even more that have uh, that have taken place this week. But first, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot has officially been put out. Uh, yes. Among 
Among the first-time eligible players for this year, you have David Ortiz, you got Alex Rodriguez, and you have Jimmy Rollins all joining the uh, Hall of Fame ballot as first-time You can forget players. Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, clear as day. You can forget Rodriguez mainly because of the steroid usage. And, and the steroid wins. I mean, I, I I know I know what you would say. You know, you can kind of you could maybe rule out Ortiz as well. But the difference is, yes. Ortiz, it's never it was never revealed what he tested positive for, and That's whether true. or not the substance, and whether or not the substance was banned at the time. So, I kind of you Doesn't know you kind of right. wonder. It doesn't make it right, obviously, but you kind of wonder if that won't have any effect on whether or not he could be a potential first ballot Hall of Famer. It because, could. Because, because of the fact that and, – and, and actually, you know, there's, uh, there's been multiple uh, analysts that have actually stuck up for Ortiz, uh, including some uh, Hall of Fame, you know, some Hall of Fame uh, baseball writers as well. That that are you know that have the Hall of Fame ballot that you know they're uh, some of the people who submit their Hall of Fame ballots and what they said about Ortiz is the difference between Ortiz and somebody like Alex Rodriguez is yeah Ortiz his name did come up in the 2005-2006 report but it was never stated what he tested positive for and whether or not it was banned at the time. So, you know, you don't really, you don't really know whether or not that's, that could potentially be used against him or not because, okay, yeah, maybe he tested positive for something, but you don't know what kind of substance it was and whether or not it really had much of an effect on his, on his gameplay. But uh, other first-time eligible players uh, that are going to be included in this year's ballot are Carl Crawford, Prince Fielder, yeah. uh, Ryan Howard, Tim Lincecum, Justin Morneau, Joe Nathan. I would assume Joe Nathan would possibly get in at some point. Uh, Jonathan yes. Papelbon. Jonathan Papelbon. Oh, PV, uh AJ Pierzynski as well as Mark Teixeira. Now, it says here that Ortiz is most likely among this group to actually get in on the first ballot. Uh, Also eligible still are Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling, all entering in for their their 10th and final time, uh, with Scott Rowland and Billy Wagner uh, hoping to pick up some momentum as well, as I don't know what, I don't know what ballots they're currently on right now. But, uh, yeah, you know, I I kind of agree with you, Lou. Uh, I think of the three, Schilling possibly has the best chance of maybe finally making it in. But Bonds and Clemens, you didn't really see much movement from them last year. So it's more likely than not that – or The steroid grows – it's more likely that they're not going to make it this year for their, for their final uh, opportunity. 
However, you know, looking at the first-time eligible players, I mean, obviously uh, they believe that Ortiz is going to be in first ballot. I could see potentially Jimmy Rollins, you know, maybe not first ballot, but I could potentially see them, uh, some of these players making it into the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Rollins, mm. uh, you know, Ryan Howard I could see potentially. Tim Lincecum, even though he retired early. Uh, A.J. Pierzynski. I could see potentially Joe Nathan. I would be absolutely shocked if Nathan doesn't make it in. Um, maybe Jake Peavy. Justin Morneau, possibly. I mean, there's – I think this may be uh, the first Hall of Fame ballot in a while that has actually had st- a stacked list of first-time eligible players. And, you know, as far as Rodriguez goes, you know, I think it's going to be the same uh, the same thing that happened with Sammy Sosa and with Mark McGuire. You know, I yeah. I would kind of be surprised. I would be surprised if Rodriguez made it in at all, mainly because of the steroid usage. Yes. Uh, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, he reported that Major League Baseball and the Players Association have agreed to move the non-tender deadline from December 2nd to November 30th. Uh, In doing so, uh, now arbitration-eligible players won't be in a state of contractual limbo in the event of an impending lockout. Uh, so now players who are non-tendered will have at least a couple of days to sign on elsewhere before the lockout if they choose to do so, uh, which is a pretty good move on, on Major League Baseball's part, you know, because both, yeah. both teams and these respective players won't be basically handcuffed until the lockout ends up lifting, you know, and they can – try to come to some sort of agreement uh, with, with, uh, between players and teams before the lockout officially takes place. Well, on Wednesday, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, no, it's, uh, there is definitely going to be a uh, – like, like, like we uh, discussed earlier, I think, it, I think there definitely will be a lockout. I would be very surprised yeah. if – if there isn't a lockout of uh, if they're, if they're able to come to some sort of agreement, I would be very surprised. Don't hold your breath. Uh, the comeback players of the year have been officially announced. Uh, Trey Mancini took home the award for the American League after uh, missing the entire 2020 season following stage three colon cancer, uh, which required six months of chemotherapy for him. Uh, he returned this year to put up a 758 OPS with 21 homers and 71 RBIs for the Baltimore Orioles. So easily a slam dunk for the American League Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, the National League Comeback Player of the Year has gone to the now-retired Buster Posey uh, with a 68 or – wait a minute, no. He had a 889 OPS this year with – uh, 18 homers for the National League West winning San Francisco Giants. So 
that honestly wasn't much of a shock uh, that he would end up winning the comeback player of the year this year. Yes. For the, uh, you know, for the National League. Right. Uh, As far as, now obviously there's been a whole bunch of uh, signings that have taken place as well this week. And I got to tell you, Lou, uh, the New York Mets, man, they must have yeah. been very pissed off. They must have been very pissed off. You you heard of, obviously, the Stephen Matz controversy that took place. Yes, yes. Uh, where Stephen Matz uh, of the Toronto Blue Jays had signed with the St. Louis Cardinals on a four-year, right. $44 million deal. And... I mean, it's it's a good deal for him, you know. Going, se- he had he went seven and three with a two ninety one ERA this year for the for the right. Blue Jays. However, supposedly the uh, the owner or no, the general manager of the Mets was supposedly given an assurance by Stephen Mass's camp that he that they would have one last opportunity to make a competitive offer before Matt would make his decision. And according to the general manager who spoke, who spoke out openly on Twitter, they weren't given the opportunity to do so. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the uh, members of sports whispers was talking to me, uh, Tim gross. He was talking to me, when this yeah. story broke and he said that it's not really an endearing way to try and to try and entice other free agents to potentially sign with your club when you're going to be that outspoken about it, uh, you know, about players deciding to not sign with your club, especially in the way that Steven Matz ended up doing it, uh, ended up going, uh, going about, about it the way that he did. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou, on the uh, on the Mets basically being spurned by uh, by Stephen Matz? You know, not even being given an opportunity to make one final offer. Well, that's what they should have done. I mean, that's not right. You have to give them the one final offer before you pull the plug. So that was a mistake on the Mets part. But uh, but Mets he did get, he, he ended up shafted. Yeah, he ended up uh, instead signing with the St. Louis Cardinals for four years. Yeah. So I guess the Mets were apparently so pissed off about that that they decided, you know what? We're just going to sign three dudes in one single day. Uh, yes. First, agreeing to terms with uh, – hang on a minute. I got it. Yeah, first, agreeing to terms with Eduardo Escobar on yeah, a right. two-year contract – Two-year contract worth about twenty million, and it includes a club option for twenty twenty-four. Uh, mm-hmm. He brings versati- versatility to the club, having uh, started at first, second, and third base this past year. But he will likely play the hot corner in New York and essentially replace Jonathan Villar. Uh, however, it says here that the addition shouldn't preclude the Mets from bringing back Javier Baez if the price is right. Uh, Escobar turned mm. 33 in January, and he batted 253 mm. this year, 
with 28 homers and 90 RBIs over 146 games between Arizona and Milwaukee this past year. Then, as if that wasn't enough, they agreed to terms with free agent outfielder Mark Canna of the, uh, of the Oakland Athletics. Uh, the deal is expected to be for two years and $25.5 million fully guaranteed, and it also reportedly includes a third-year option. Uh, Canna is considered to be a versatile on-base machine, and he should make a huge impact for the Mets over the next few seasons. Uh, he he uh, batted two thirty one this year with 17 homers and 12 stolen bases across 625 plate appearances with the Oakland Athletics. But the Mets still decided they were still not done as they then went for his teammate, and this broke late last night, they went for his teammate, Starling Marte, agreeing with a four-year, yeah. $78 million deal with the Mets. Uh, and it basically, they have overhauled their lineup in just one night with Marte, Canna, yeah. and Escobar. Uh, 33-year-old veteran outfielder came off a phenomenal campaign last year where he batted 310 with 12 homers and 47 stolen bases between the Athletics and the Miami Marlins. So what are your thoughts, Lou, on the New York Mets? Because it seems like, uh, first off, these moves sent the Yankees' Twitter into a frenzy. I mean, yeah, Yankee sure fans did. are Yankee fans are freaking the hell out that uh, that Brian Cashman is sitting around doing nothing while the New York <laughs> Mets are are starting to uh, are starting to whip themselves into shape. Yeah, but, but the Yankees seem to be happy where they are. Uh, the Mets. You know they had to do something after losing their best players, so this is this is not a surprise at all. They had to find they had to find some way to retaliate, and that's exactly what they did by signing these three other these three other players. And it was going to make a uh, a different change. I mean, they have you know stuck over the last five years, so you know it's looked like they're still in the rebuilding mode. You know, I kind of have to wonder, with all this money that they're spending right now, does this mean maybe yeah. no return of Marcus Stroman? Hmm, that could be a possibility. Not just that, but also, if they're spending all this money and Baez is still out there on the market, you gotta you got to wonder, too, that maybe perhaps they're deciding to move on from uh, from Javier Baez because supposedly, according maybe. to uh, S. According to FNY's Andy Martino, they are supposedly still far apart on price in terms of contract talks. Now, if that's the problem, then you're really screwed. And supposedly, uh, there has been speculation that Baez does want to get his next contract finalized before December 1st, before the the lockout begins. Yeah. And right now, the Tigers and the Red Sox have been linked to Javier Baez with uh, the Mariners, Rangers, and Yankees 
somewhat speculatively uh, attached to Baez as well in the shortstop market. So, you know, there are teams that are going to be available for Baez. So maybe perhaps uh, the Mets, you know, this could be a way with this spending that they, that they did yesterday, it could be a way of them saying, you know, they're moving on. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's the case. No, not at all. Now, this next, uh, since we're talking about contracts here, this next player we're going to talk about, 70 games in his major league career, 70. And this kid already has an 11-year, $182 million contract. Right. I heard about this. Uh, That's that's Ray's shortstop uh, or Ray's stud shortstop, Vander Franco. The contract also reportedly comes with a $25 million club option for the 2033 season with a $2 million buyout and a series of $3 million escalators based off of MVP voting. So basically the full contract sits at a maximum value of $223 million over 12 years that could potentially be had by him, depending on where he finishes uh, in the MVP voting and if he ends up, uh, you know, if the club ends up exercising that club option in the final year of his deal. It's both a franchise record for the Rays uh, as well as a record for any player with less than one year of major league service time. As the previous record was Ronald Acuna Jr.'s eight-year, $100 million contract uh, with the Braves. But now Franco basically doubles that sum with this with this uh, precedent-shattering agreement here. And in terms of financial breakdown, it says that he will receive a $5 million bonus right off the bat. He will earn $1 million next year, $2 million in both 2023 and 2024, $8 million in 2025, $15 yes. in 2026, 22 in 2027, and then he will earn 25 million per season between the 2028 and 2032 seasons. And also, he has a three million dollar trade kicker to go with it as well. However, there is no no trade clause in it at all. So he can still be traded. Now, this is, I mean, this is very unusual for the Tampa Bay Rays, as usually they don't like to spend money, as we've seen in recent years where they've let players go. Uh, but this this kid, he hit 288 this year with seven homers, 18 doubles, five triples, and a pair of stolen bases. Uh, in 70 games that he played in. Not to mention, 
you know, he was a uh, big part of uh, the Tampa Bay Rays in the postseason. Granted, they ended up uh, falling short to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, but he also embarked on one of the most remarkable stretches in recent memory, reaching base in a staggering 43 consecutive games to start off his career. And during that time, he posted a combined he he posted a 3.29 batting average with more walks than strikeouts. He was walked 9.1% of the time and struck out 8.1%. And he was so impressive despite finishing in only 70 despite uh you know appearing in only 70 games this year, he finished 3rd in AL rookie of the year voting despite his low yes. numbers. So, Lou, what what are your thoughts on this deal? Because doesn't it kind of seem like maybe the Tampa Bay Rays may be setting themselves up for failure here, potentially? Hmm. Considering all the success they've had, you know, in recent years, I don't know. I don't know if I call it really a failure, though. I mean, you know, they they well, have dominated the American League East for quite some time now. Well, I I wouldn't. I maybe failure is not the right word for it, but. Let's say that Franco ends up regressing, you know, and he ends up not being like, oh, my God, what's that? Uh, Rick D, let's compare it to Rick DiPietro of the New York Islanders. Yes. When the Islanders signed him to that massive 10-year deal uh, after oh, yeah. he had one good season, after he had one good season for them, they signed him to that massive 10-year deal. And it basically was considered to be the worst NHL contract ever signed because he sucked after that. <laughs> yeah. Now, think about that, but if it happens here with Von der Franco and the Tampa Bay Rays, now the Rays will be paying him a large amount of money for 12 seasons. And this kid hasn't even had a full year of playing time yet in the majors. I mean, you know, what if teams begin to solve this kid and this kid ends up busting out, basically, and he ends up being labeled as a bust? The Rays can't really get out of his contract. I've seen it happen before. Yeah, it has happened before. But, I mean, you know, it's – I think it was a stupid move by the Rays. I mean, maybe maybe they're worried about perhaps, uh, you know, what he would potentially go for in arbitration in years – go in, in the years coming down the line. But, I mean, to put, to put this much money into a player who has had less than a year worth of service time I mean, for all we know, this kid could bust next year. And, you know, he could, maybe he could potentially turn into the – he could potentially be a player that, you know, teams were not expe- – that, 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 that the Rays were not expecting him to be. You know, I just, I just think it's kind of a stupid move to make by the Rays at this yeah. point in time when the kid – when the kid has – I mean, he's had only 70 games of major league experience. At some point, 
these pitchers are going to be able to solve him and they're going to be able to figure out how to pitch to him. And, you know, when that happens, you can pretty much, since, since teams will know how to game plan against him, you could almost essentially throw away that contract. If he can't, if, if, if teams are able to finally solve him and, you know, he's not going to be the same player that he was to begin his career, I mean, this could turn out to be a major flop for yeah, the, uh, was, you know, for the Tampa Bay Rays. So, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know, you know, who – Ooh, ooh! This is interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, this just came out as of an hour yes. ago. LSU reportedly entered the night with a verbal agreement from Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley, according mm. to multiple sources. They could meet as early as tomorrow, depending on the results of tonight's game against Oklahoma State. Okay. LSU's offer will be reportedly between 12 to $13 million per year. Oklahoma could match that offer, but they have not shown any interest in paying that much money. So how about that, Lou? Lincoln Riley moving from p- potentially moving from Oklahoma to LSU. Now that's shocking. I mean, it's very surprising. I mean, it, it you know it doesn't matter anyways. Oklahoma, you know they they're they're going to be entering the SEC with this new agreement anyways, but. You know, Lincoln Lincoln Riley was looked at as one of the potential options, and LSU. You know, they are a pretty big uh, they are a pretty a pretty big system to go into. Yes. And he his this new contract he would basically be making double his current salary. And you know who know who knows exactly yeah. what's gonna exactly uh, what the result of this uh, could be here. But I mean, you got to think this could be potentially huge for oh, no college football. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou? That that even surprises me. In what way? In like that. You know, I'm just. In what, in what, in, in what well, way? I just say it was something you? I wasn't expecting. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, expecting that at all. No. Not at all. No, not at all. Out of the blue especially, uh, especially with the success that he's had at Oklahoma. I mean, he has a record right yeah. now. Uh, assuming that this is. Wait, let me see. They entered today ten and one, right? Yes. Okay, so this is accurate. He has a fifty-five and nine record overall with Oklahoma, uh, including in inside the conference. 
he's 37 and six through five years with Oklahoma. Wow. And they've been, they've been in at least second place in the standings uh, in every year that he's been with Oklahoma in the big 12. So with him coming, coming over to LSU potentially, I mean, it's been known that uh, LSU players had supposedly, uh, you know, they stopped wanting to play for Coach O. With real talent that they have at LSU, and now they have potentially Lincoln Riley coming over, this could be huge for LSU making their way way back into uh, into the college spotlight. So that's uh, obviously it's not confirmed yet. It's not confirmed as uh, as official, but that is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on here. Um, yeah, I know I will. With this, uh, hang on. I gotta I gotta actually post that uh, in our uh, okay. in our group here. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, Huge to say the least, but all right, yeah. So going back to baseball, uh, we do have some other some other news uh, coming around here. Uh, the well, I mean, we'll start with the Boston Red Sox. They uh, they decided to agree to option the uh, club options for 2023 and 2024 on Alex Cora. So he will officially uh, be the Boston Red Sox manager for at least the next couple of years after posting a 92 and 70 record this year with a trip to the ALCS Uh, basically confirms that Cora will not be a lame duck coach next season but it shows a clear commitment to where uh, the where Red Sox management sees them themselves going in terms of a uh, head coach. Yeah. Uh, the Houston or wait a minute, no, there's one more thing with the Red Sox. The Red Sox they did sign Michael Waka yesterday to a one-year, seven million dollar contract, a significant raise for Waka who made just $3 million on a similar one-year pact with the division rival Tampa Bay Rays last season. Uh, he posted a 5.05 ERA uh, across 123 and two-thirds innings last year, uh, but that may seem big. However, if you take a look at his final starts or in, in, in his final seven outings, he had a 2.88 ERA with 36 strikeouts, seven walks, and he and he held uh, opponents to a 167 batting average. And he led the majors with four starts of five or more innings with no runs and only allowing one or no hits. And two of those starts were against the Yankees. One of them was against Boston, and one of them was against Houston. So it's clear that there's still somewhat of the old Michael Waka 
the the St. Louis Cardinal Michael Waka still in there. Yes. But as far as to uh as far as to what he'll do with Boston, I'll put I'll put it this way. He seems like he's gonna yep. be an upgrade over Martin Perez or uh Garrett Richards. And the seven million dollars, I'm considering the numbers that he put up towards the end of the year, I'm more happy giving him seven million dollars as opposed to giving Garrett Richards ten million dollars for the okay. shit that he did last year. So I'm more at peace with giving Michael Waka that amount of money, even if he's going to be a fourth or fifth starter potentially in this rotation. Uh, Elsewhere, the uh, New York, or uh, not New York, the Seattle Mariners have acquired infielder, outfielder Adam Frazier from the San Diego Padres in exchange for left-hander Ray Kerr and outfielder Corey Rozier. Or Rosier, Rosier, I don't know how, how they pronounce it. Rosier, okay. okay uh, I do, I do. Clearly, the, the hot stove is heating up, everybody. Uh, Frazier, who was previously acquired by or, or from the uh, rebuilding Pittsburgh Pirates at the trade deadline, he provides the Mariners with a versatile short-term answer uh, before hitting free agency next off season, he also possesses the ability to fill in at multiple spots defensively. He hit 305 last year with five homers and 10 steals across 639 between the San Diego Padres and Pittsburgh Pirates last year. Uh, so, yeah. Needless to say, uh, a huge move for the Mariners who are lo- who are looking to at least potentially try and make it back into the playoffs after just missing the playoffs this past yeah. year. Uh, the uh, according to Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, free agent right-hander Hector Neris has a reportedly agreed to a two-year deal with the Houston Astros. Uh, This is basically to replace Kendall Graveman, who agreed to a deal with the Chicago White Sox earlier this week as well. Uh, According to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, he adds that the deal includes $17 million guaranteed pending a physical over two years. Uh, Neris had a solid 3.63 ERA in relief out of the uh, Phillies bullpen this year. He was arguably their their best reliever uh, that they had in that bullpen, um, as well as a 98 to 32 strikeout to walk ratio across 74 and a third innings through 74 games uh, this past season. So he's basically going to take the spot of Kendall Graveman, who ended up signing with the Chicago White Sox uh, for three years and $24 million. Uh, it's quite the payday for Graveman, who emerged as a relief ace uh, during last season. And thanks to a huge uptick in velocity – uh, he posted the best strikeout percentage of his career, jumping from 19.5% to, to 27.5%. Uh, 
uh, of his pitch uh, of his uh, at bats being strikeouts. Uh, the White Sox obviously believe in the massive step forward that he uh, that he exhibited last year, and they expect him to maintain that level of effectiveness moving forward for the next three years. And down goes Texas A&M with a 27-24 to victory for LSU with a last-minute touchdown as 15th-ranked 15th Texas A&M uh, has suffered a loss in their final game of the season. I don't know if they're – well, no, they probably are going to have a bowl game, but still. Um, What's the record? Uh, they are eight and four to end the year. They'll make they'll make a bowl game, no question. Yeah, they're they're gonna make a bowl game. I know uh, Arkansas. I believe they are in a bowl game as well, despite being twenty uh, fifth ranked. Um, I believe they are in a bowl game as well. Uh, right. Some other. Some other current uh, scores, by the way. Oklahoma, they have a slim two-point lead over Oklahoma State right now, 33-31. to 31. And like we, uh, like we mentioned a little bit ago, depending on the results of tonight's game, maybe perhaps Lincoln Riley could be jumping ship from Oklahoma to LSU. Uh, we will see what, what becomes of that. Uh, Notre Dame, they currently hold a 31-7 to lead over Stanford, and we just got BYU and USC started with a uh, – they are currently scoreless as of now. Late game. Yeah, it's a late game, 10, uh, 10.30, late. I believe. Yeah. I agree. Some of these games have been way, way too late. Um, yeah. Anybody from the West Coast? I guess. I don't even know if I could handle the West Coast, honestly. With uh, okay, I mean, granted, it's granted it's three out, it's three hours behind, but I guess you know it, it would be different going, especially considering I live area that's colder than most other parts of the United States. I mean, apart from apart from Alaska, you know, uh, the Northeast is probably. Uh, probably one of the one of the more um unpredictable parts of the United States. Yes. So yes. so you know who know, who who knows what uh Try going north though. True. True. Um you know like Minnesota and Chicago. Their winners are brutal. Yeah, that's true. Uh, especially, especially considering, I mean, Chicago, first of all, first of all, the Windy City and Minnesota is known for their snow. Yes. Wow. Dwayne Dedman has been ejected from the game for kicking his, for kicking the cushion of his seat into the stands. There you go, dumbass. Of the, of the Chicago Bulls game. It said, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the replay here, and I can't believe it. he's literally standing on top of his seat, and literally kicks 
the cushion off of the seat, and he has now been ejected from the game because of it, or he or he was ejected uh, from it be. after he got after he got subbed out following a uh, Bulls three point play. Uh, the cushion flew off and apparently hit a fan. Um, oh boy! As a result, hope he's not hurt. So, no, he's not. He's not hurt, but uh, you know, the fan could possibly. Uh, you know, you never know. Even though it was a cushion, uh, there could always there could potentially be uh, assault charges. Possibly, you never know. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. You never know what's going to happen. But, uh, oh, this is kind of intriguing. Uh, obviously, this may or may not happen, but the Orioles are reportedly willing to listen to trade offers for star outfielder Cedric Mullins. Uh, yeah. The asking price, cons- considering Mullins' age and team control, uh, the asking price will likely be astronomical from the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he slashed two, a two ninety one batting average this year with 30 homers and 30 stolen bases in a breakout season for the, uh, for the young Orioles center fielder. Uh, he also earned a silver slugger award as well as his first all-star nod. So it looks like uh, there could be, considering this news, there could be quite the market for him potentially in the trade market if uh, if they do decide uh, to move on from him this off season. Uh, Wade Davis, formerly of the Kansas City Royals, has reportedly announced his retirement from baseball. Uh, three-time All-Star, and uh, he was a major component of the Royals World Series title run back in 2015. He spent 13 years in the big leagues with the Royals, Rockies, and Rays, dating back to 2009. Uh, He finishes with 141 career saves to go along with a 394 ERA, as well as a 929 to 389 strikeout to walk ratio across 990 and a third innings through 557 games, uh, 88 of them being starts. All right, let's see. Uh, some other pieces here. Oh, the uh, the Marlins, they are reportedly nearing a five-year extension with right-hander Sandy Alcantara. Uh, the deal is expected to be worth more than $55 million guaranteed. It was reported in late September that the two sides were discussing an extension. Uh, he was due to be arbitration eligible for the first time this offseason, so... Uh, this extension would cover all three of his arbitration seasons and his first two years of free agency. Um, he has come o- come into his own over the past two years, including a brilliant 319 ERA, uh, as well as a 201 to 50 strikeout to walk ratio in 205 and two thirds innings over 33 starts this past season. Uh, let's see. You know what? Let's move on to uh, the NFL because there's quite a bit of news that came up this week. Uh, first yeah. off, 
we'll start with the Everson Griffin situation. I don't know if you've heard of yeah. this, Lou, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings star, reportedly locked himself inside his house and posted yes. a troubling video. He posted a troubling video on social media of him holding a gun and saying that people were trying to kill him early Wednesday morning. He also posted screenshots. He posted screenshots of messages to his agent, Brian Murphy, asking for help and again saying that people were there to hurt him. Uh, And also, supposedly, he refused to step foot outside of his house. Uh, They had Vikings representatives and the team's mental health professionals on site at his home. Uh, pretty much since the incident ended up taking place. And the Vikings were cooperating with law enforcement throughout this whole ordeal. Uh, According to the police department, officers were talking to him since early Wednesday morning, but but to that point, up to that point, he had refused to exit his home. Uh, They were eventually able to get him to come out of his house without incident uh, on Wednesday. And, Mm. you know, it's very clear that he is battling some mental health issues, and now he is getting the help that he needs. Uh, In order to take his spot, uh, they signed defensive end Tayshaun Bauer off of the Patriots practice squad on Wednesday after they placed Everson Griffin on the reserve, the reserve slash, well, we'll just call it the reserve list because I don't know if right. you could say injured or retired list because it's not, it's not exactly, he's not exactly injured, but he's not exactly retired either. So then you shouldn't, you just then say you shouldn't was, have it like that. No, but that's how, that's how the NFL categorizes it. basically. Yeah. But you should get your facts straight. Because he's being lost and so it's kind of like, you know, that's premature on their part. But nonetheless, the Vikings did place him on the reserve list, so mm. it's not even known if he'll even play again this year or if, uh, you know, if if he'll end up taking off the rest of the year. I mean, you know, we have seen we have seen some players struggle with mental health issues. I mean, AJ Brown, you know, who currently yeah. was placed on injured reserve this week, uh, he even admitted to having some having to endure some mental health problems during the off season. Uh, as a matter of fact, Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons, he has been on uh, the reserve list for quite a while actually due to uh, mental health issues. So it really seems like this is starting to become more of a thing around uh around the sport of football. Not just or the not sport just of football, football but sport in, in general. general. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's having NBA mm-hmm. of course having to, um hockey it's ha- it's happening, you know, in every sport now. And, you know, I, yeah. I think that COVID might have played a factor in it because ever since it broke out, you know, this is becoming more rampant. I mean, there's only been sporadic oh, exactly. before that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I think uh, we, we, we discussed this a little bit last week, too, but I really do believe yes. that COVID may have, may have played a bit of a role, especially oh, yeah, with the no fact question. that, you know, 
you know, especially with the fact that uh, people have been cooped up all se- uh, have been cooped up throughout all of quarantine and everything. So, yeah, you know, I guess, I guess, I guess it, you you would you would think that it would definitely uh, play a huge factor in. Uh, sure, absolutely. You know, the mental, the mental, the mental health of uh, of certain people, Ooh. and. You know, I'm just hoping that you know. May, hopefully, it, I mean, it's a good thing that uh, they were able to get him to come out with it without any issues. I mean, supposedly, I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but supposedly, uh, he had stated that he had fired off a round inside his house with the gun, and yes. that was partially why. That was partially why that he you know, that he didn't come out of the house. I don't know exactly how much of that is true, but, you know, it's still, the the fact is that, you know, he still is dealing with these mental health issues and hopefully uh, he's able to get the help that he needs. But it, regardless, you know, it, it is a huge loss for the, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings uh, as they look to somehow, oh my God! I don't know if you just saw this, Lou. I think I just did. I think I know what you mean. Oh, what a fuck! Wow! What a what the hell was that? That was quite the botched attempt by Oklahoma to try and field to try and field that kick because now. It is first and goal. The fumble was recovered by, oh, no, I don't know. He called, well, he called a fair catch. But the thing is, you have to actually make the catch in yes. order for it to be, in order for it to be a fair catch. So the fumble was then immediately recovered by Oklahoma State. And now it's first and goal from, I think, I think like the three yard line or something. So, no, the five. First and goal, yeah, so, from the three. So We're now Oklahoma. So now it, it oh, the oh, oh. the door is wide open basically oh. for Oklahoma State to take the lead here. They're at the two now. I cannot believe that we just saw that. Yeah, I don't oh, believe I just saw. You know, you know, they're they needed one lucky break, and oh, so close! Uh, about a half yard short mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know, that Always could the most be what potentially uh, that could be potentially what what keeps Oklahoma State in the in the conversation. And there it is, the touchdown. Oh, so right now it's thirty seven, thirty three. Probably going to be thirty eight, thirty three off of a miscommunication or a, a, a missed catch by uh, by the Oklahoma <laughs> Sooners. Wow. That's all I got to say about that. I'm shot. Wow. I just, I, I, I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, Elsewhere in the NFL, the NFL and the city of St. Louis have officially agreed 
to a settlement over a lawsuit that was filed over the relocation of the Rams to Los Angeles. Oh, they did not get the two-point conversion. I, I'm shocked that they went for the two-point. I thought they would go for the for just the extra point, but it remains 37-33 uh, for Oklahoma State here. Uh, yeah, so the NFL and the city of St. Louis, they have agreed to a $790 million settlement over the lawsuit that was filed in 2017 after the Rams relocated to Los Angeles, according to a source with direct knowledge of the agreement, uh, confirming it to ESPN. The settlement does not include a promise to the, from the NFL to grant St. Louis an expansion franchise in the future, but the idea wasn't seriously discussed, uh, according to a source that told ESPN. It wasn't immediately known what portion of the settlement would be paid by Rams owner Stan Kroenke compared to the league's share. Uh, The Rams, of course, relocated to Los Angeles for the second time in franchise history back in 2016 when Kroenke moved his team from St. Louis. The lawsuit argued that the league broke its own relocation guidelines that were adopted in 1984 They misled the public on its plans to leave the city and cost the city millions in revenue. The league had lost many of its motions and was denied a hearing in the U.S. Supreme Court. The lawsuit, which was in the discovery phase, was set for trial on January 10th, which would have been weeks before Kroenke's SoFi Stadium would host Super uh, Super Bowl 56 this year on February 13th. The case had entangled all 32 teams uh, and cost a million dollars in legal fees, which were mostly covered by Kroenke under an indemnification agreement that he had signed as part of the relocation. Uh, For some teams, the bills had run to eight figures. Uh, The Rams moved from St. Louis uh, or from Los Angeles to St. Louis before the 1995 season which they were lured in part by a new taxpayer-built domed stadium. Uh, Kroenke, who was a real estate billionaire and Missouri native, was minority owner of the team until he purchased it outright in 2010, two years after the death of longtime majority owner uh, Georgia Frontier. The Rams first moved to Los Angeles from Cleveland in 1946. Uh, the original, the news of the settlement was first reported by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So, Lou, I guess we can finally say that this chapter of, uh, of the NFL's uh, debacle with, uh, with, with St. Yeah. Louis has finally been closed. Yeah, it's about time. All right, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, that's a massive. That's a massive number. Yeah. That uh, the city of St. Louis got. Why didn't take care of it a lot sooner? This would have been, this would have been you know, resolved. Like what you waited, you know, all that all that time from from relocation and uh, all this shit. Now you should have. Uh, a lot sooner. You would think, yeah. You would think that something would yeah. have been would have been done a lot sooner at the uh considering 
all of the uh, all of the media cover. Well, actually, I shouldn't say media coverage because there wasn't really that much media right. coverage. I mean, early on there was, but uh, you know, early on there was media coverage, but you couldn't really say that there was media coverage surrounding this because it seemed to sort of fade into the background a little bit. Right. For well, the, the most part, but, I mean, you know, first moving to St. Louis and then, you know, went back to Los Angeles, although I don't know why since, you know, you were, you were there. Um, in St. Louis, you couldn't work it out. You had to move back to the place you left in the first place. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, at least, at least now, I, don't, yeah. I mean, obviously, Saint, you know, St. Louis, they felt that they uh, that they lost out on a certain amount of money because of the fact that uh, the Rams had left yeah. St. Louis. So, so if anything, you know, this kind of dealt a huge blow to local businesses and other stuff like that. Um, but the city of St. Louis, you know, they, they did get their settlement. So maybe perhaps they can finally stop bitching. And of course this, con- it, it, it it, it makes sense now why they would come to an agreement because the NFL, they do not want to go through the discovery phase. And that's what it was. Yeah. That's what, what it was currently in at the time. So if, if the NFL was willing to settle this quickly, makes you wonder just exactly how much stuff would have been uncovered, how much stuff the NFL is trying to hide. Within that discovery phase, kind of makes you. Yes, it does. But uh, yeah, some other some other bits of news around the NFL. Uh, The Titans, like I said, they waived Adrian Peterson after. in order to make in order to make room for Dontrell Hilliard, who led the backfield with uh, with 82 yards on 15 touches against Houston, uh, they're putting him back onto the 53-man roster. Um, so, assuming that Peterson does not latch onto the team's practice squad uh, upon clearing waivers, Peterson's tenure with the Titans comes to a close at. Uh, 27 rushes for 82 yards and a touchdown uh, for 3.04 yards per carry. And it also could signify the end of his illustrious career in the NFL, which at the age of 36 and with, uh, with the fact that Peterson didn't even sign with a team to start the year, Honestly, it's kind of a surprise that he was even picked up to begin with this year. Yeah. You know, considering considering the uh, the stats that he has right now, first off, he is a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about that. He is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I mean, hell, just take a look at his accomplishments that he uh, yeah. that he had with Minnesota. You know, the only thing you could really say is the fact that Peterson never got the chance to win a Super Bowl. That's pretty much it. Yeah. As good AP was, you know, that's what, you know, escapes from him. Yeah. But, you know, as far as his stats go, he was the MVP in 2012, 
as well as the Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he was the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2007, a four-time member of the first-team All-Pro team. He's also a three-time member of the second-team All-Pro, so, I mean, technically he's a seven-time All-Pro. Uh, he was a member of the Pro Bowl for seven times. Uh, he led the league in rushing yards three different times, as well as the uh, league leader in rushing touchdowns twice. He was a mem- he was a unanimous member of the NFL 2010s All Decade Team. Uh, he's a member of the 50 Greatest Vikings list, as well as a a two time winner of the Burt Bell Award, which uh, basically goes to the Player of the Year in the right. National Football League. Uh, two time winner of that. Uh, in 2008 and 2012, he's also a winner of the Art Rooney Award. Who uh, that that goes to basically outstanding sportsmanship on the playing field. Uh, that Absolutely. was established Absolutely. back in established back in 2015. So I mean, he has plus he has an NFL record 296 rushing yards in a single game, uh, which still hasn't been broken. So. You know, he if he finishes if his career is officially over, he finishes with career rushing yards of fourteen thousand and nine hundred and two rushing yards for his career, uh, which averages out to yards per carry of four point six. Uh, he has one hundred and nineteen career rushing touchdowns, uh, three hundred and five career catches for two thousand four hundred and seventy four yards with six career receiving touchdowns. So, I mean, clearly, he he has Hall of Fame stats. I assume he'll probably – could he be a candidate maybe for first ballot? It's possible. I mean, the only thing he's really missing is a Super Bowl win, if anything. Yeah, but I think the committee also looks at that too. You know, they – you know, they always look at, you know, what they do in the postseason as well. Maybe not first ballot, maybe second ballot. But, I mean, you take a look at these numbers, though, from for seven yeah. straight years. For seven straight years, he averaged at least 10 touchdowns per year with the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. That doesn't even include – that doesn't even include receiving touchdowns. I'm talking rushing touchdowns. He averaged at least 10 uh, per year. Then, of course, in 2014, he got injured in the very first game, so he was out the entire season. Then back in 20, uh, the very next year in 2015, he put up 11 touchdowns uh, for Minnesota. So pretty much – a majority of his touchdowns came in Minnesota. Then he went to New Orleans. He sucked. Uh, he went to Arizona for a few games. I was just saying he sucked. Well, he had two touchdowns, but I think it's because I don't think he was the primary running back, though. No, no, no. So, you know, it seemed like once he left Minnesota, his numbers started to go down. He did have a bit of a good a, a bit of a good tenure with Washington 
Uh, he had seven rushing touchdowns in his first year in Washington, including his longest career, uh, a 90-yard rush for, uh, for a touchdown uh, with Washington. He had seven touchdowns his first year, five uh, in his final year with Washington. Last year, he had seven for Detroit, and he had only one touchdown this year in three games with Tennessee. So, you know, he is capable of – then again, you know, Tennessee has been kind of banged up, so they don't really have the best offensive line out there, so maybe perhaps that may have played a role. Uh, But, you know, he's – I guess he's still capable of being a – you know, being a dynamic uh, running back in the league, but come on, at 36 years old, about probably about to turn 37, you know, you kind of have mm-hmm. to wonder how many year how many years does Adrian Peterson have left if he if he Two. isn't already done. Two. I mean, would there be any team, Lou, that would be potentially interested uh, in bringing him in? Well. Honestly, uh, no, I don't think so. I think maybe if they, you know, to stay where he is for the next uh, two years, and that'll be it. I mean, if he even signs on with the team, if he doesn't, you know, right, right. He's currently a free agent right now, so who knows if he's? This could have been potentially his final team in the NFL with uh, Tennessee. Until of course, mm. you know Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota will probably uh, inevitably sign him to a one-day contract so he can retire as a Minnesota Viking, uh, right, depending on stuff. when he, depending on when he de- when he does decide to retire. But you know, much like Le'Veon Bell, it kind of seems like maybe perhaps the end of the line is here for uh, for Adrian Peterson, possibly. And not to mention, uh, he does also have five career touchdowns in five playoff games as well to add on to it. The only thing is, Minnesota just was never good enough to try and make to try and get to a Super Bowl. Um, but like it said, it is possible that he may potentially make it to uh, he may get uh, put onto the practice squad potentially so that he can kind of get into more playing shape because keep in mind when they signed him, he wasn't really, you know, they signed him coming off of the Derrick Henry injury. He wasn't really, you know, he wasn't really a, he wasn't really in football shape, I guess you could, you could put it. And this is kind of the same thing with, you know, this is kind of the same thing with Golden Tate, with uh, the Tennessee Titans uh, signing Golden Tate this week to the practice squad. Uh, it's expected that he will probably be elevated for uh, tomorrow's matchup against the New England Patriots. But you know, at the same time, at the same time, it's it's kind of hard to get into playoff sh- or not playoff to get into football shape when. Right. You know, you've been when you've been pretty much just sitting on the sidelines the entire season, not even playing. 
So I don't think they really should have expected Adrian Peterson to be anywhere close to the type of player he was with Washington or with uh, Detroit, considering the fact that he hadn't played for a majority of the season this year. And by the way, that updated list uh, for Tennessee and New England, Tennessee has officially ruled out Jeremy McNichols due to a concussion. He was unable to uh, get out of concussion protocol. They've ruled out A.J. Brown, who was placed on injured reserve. Uh, They ruled out Nate Davis with a concussion as well. Uh, They also ruled out Rashawn Evans with an ankle injury. David Long is also out with a hamstring injury. Uh, Tier Tart is out with an ankle injury. And Greg Mabin is out with an ankle injury as well for the Titans. Uh, listed as questionable are tight end J- uh, Jeff Swaim with a concussion, uh, Jayon Brown with a quad injury. Uh, I'm not even going to pronounce that first name, so I'm just going to say Adonii, uh, his last name, yeah. with a hamstring injury. And uh, Elijah Molden with a groin injury. Uh, those four are listed as questionable. For the Patriots, you got Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, we'll just we'll just almost put the entire team listed as questionable because yeah, okay. That's pretty much what what it is uh, for the most part. Uh, some other notable, some other notables for uh, listed as out for this week. For the Buccaneers, Antonio Brown is still out with an ankle injury. Uh, they will also be without Ali Marpet, who has an abdomen injury. Uh, questionable is Devin White with a quad injury, and Vita Vea, who went down last week with a knee injury. But uh, it's kind of, I think it's. Kind of a good sign, the fact that he's listed as questionable when a lot of people thought that he was probably gone for the year. Right. Uh, listed as questionable for the Colts, that. though. Yeah. You know, it's, it is it it is kind of a good sign that when people thought that he was out for the year and yet he's listed as questionable. So maybe it's not as bad uh, of a knee injury as people thought it was. Um. For the Colts, you got Quentin Nelson, the all-pro offensive lineman, uh, listed as questionable with an ankle injury that he suffered last week, as well as Darius Leonard, uh, questionable with an ankle injury as well. Uh, For the Jets, uh, rookie running back Michael Carter is officially out with an ankle injury, and Corey Davis is listed as questionable, or uh, not questionable, doubtful, with a groin injury. So, yeah probably likely that the Jets are going to be shorthanded when uh, when Joe Flacco makes his return to starting uh, for the no, New York Jets. That's all we need. I mean, I would probably start Mike White over Joe Flacco, but hey, I guess I guess the Jets want to go with the veteran. Yeah, uh, although he's like, like he has Disney won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, but let's not forget Flacco is elite. Um, It looks like we have a final here. Uh, Oklahoma has been stopped on four down. So Oklahoma State does cover. 
37 to 33. Actually, it'll be a push. Both teams will cover. Uh, right. Oklahoma State with a 37 to 33 lead, turnover on downs. So with a minute 16 left, you can pretty much seal this up for uh, as a win for Oklahoma State. Uh, it'll be actually, I think their first. Wait a minute, let me look this up. I think it's their first win in seven outings, the last seven games for Oklahoma State. Uh, they've been beaten the last six times by Oklahoma. So it looks like this will officially seal that. Yep, it looks to be that way. <laughs> uh, let's see. Some other listings for out. We have uh, Jordan Howard. He will be out for the Eagles with a knee injury. For the Giants, you have Colin Gillaspia out with a calf. Uh, Sterling Shepard is out with a quad injury, and Caden Smith will be out with a knee injury. Uh, doubtful to play are Kadarius Toney and Kyle Rudolph, both with a quad and an ankle injury. And Saquon Barkley is actually listed as well with a, uh, as questionable with an ankle injury. So Barkley. the Giants are pretty banged up for this week. And, yeah, and they're already saying not, that which, giant, the Giants franchise is becoming the worst joke in NFL history. I don't know if I go that far, but they are looking pretty pathetic. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but maybe I would say in terms of management, yeah, they're definitely maybe one of the biggest jokes in terms of management. Yeah. You know, they're competing. That probably, they're competing. Yeah. They're competing with the New York Jets to see who has a, uh, you know, who has a more dysfunctional. Yeah, who is uh, which uh, to see which front office is perceived as the most pathetic in uh, in the NFL? Um, but still, they're pretty banged up this week, and what could be a very important game for the Philadelphia Eagles, especially with the uh, Dallas Cowboys losing uh, on Thanksgiving. You know, this could be a huge opportunity for Philadelphia, especially if they gain some ground, that maybe perhaps the NFC East will remain a little bit open, possibly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For the uh, for the Miami Dolphins, Adam Shaheen is out with a knee injury. Elijah Campbell is out with a toe and knee injury. And Trill Williams is out with a hamstring. Uh, let's see. The Steelers, they will be without Eric Ebron, who was placed on injured reserve with a knee injury. Uh, Joe Hayden is out with a foot injury, and J.C. Hassenhauer is out with a pectoral injury. Uh, let's see. Shaquille Griffin is out for the Jaguars with a concussion. He's still in concussion protocol. Uh, Jonathan Bullard is out with an ankle for the Falcons, and Kendall Sheffield is out with a hamstring. Uh, the Chargers will be without Asante Samuel Jr., who is still in concussion protocol, uh, as well as Alohi Gilman, who is out with a quad injury. Uh, the Broncos, uh, Bobby Massey with an ankle injury and Kareem Jackson with a neck injury are both listed as doubtful, so they are unlikely to play. The Rams, they will be without wide receiver Ben Skronik with a back injury. 
Packers, they will be without David Bakhtiari, who's dealing with a knee injury, and Malik Taylor has an abdomen issue. Both of them are listed as out. Uh, Everson Griffin, obviously, will be out with uh, for the Vikings due to uh, his mental health issues. Uh, Jamichael Hasty, he will be out for the 49ers with Maurice Hurst listed as doubtful. The Browns will be without Anthony Schwartz for another week with a concussion. Uh, the Ravens, they will not have Miles Boykin due to a finger injury. Uh, Cedric Ogbwehi is out due to a thigh injury. And Ardarius Washington also out with a foot injury as well. And they have a mighty huge list of questionable players too, but they will probably play. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Seahawks, they will be without Rashad Penny due to a hamstring. Damian Lewis is out with an elbow injury. Jamarco Jones with a back injury. Trey Brown with a knee injury. And Travis Homer with a calf injury. Meanwhile, Washington, they will not have Samuel Cosby with a hip or Tyler Larson with a knee injury. Wow, what a run by the Oklahoma Sooners. You know, just when we thought that that, that this game was over, now Oklahoma is over. In yeah. at, Oklahoma is in at least field goal range, and maybe perhaps I well, think they're at the 30-yard line. Well, a field goal is not going to help so, No, a field goal is not going to help them. But, uh, you know, they're in – they're at the 25-yard line with about 30 seconds or so left to go. So, you know, it's definitely manageable. For Oklahoma. So, we'll see. And, oh, he did not hang on to no, it. No, no. That could, that could have been a huge catch. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The uh, Chicago Bears against the Detroit – or, wait a minute. No, that game was already played. Why am I going to that one? Yeah. Uh, Why would you want to? You know what? Let's – you know, what, let's talk, let's talk about about the uh, the Thanksgiving Day games. Actually, the Bears and the Lions honestly may have been one of the most boring games I have watched. No shit. No Justin Fields. No Akeem Hicks. No Damian Williams for the Bears. Oh. How? Oh my God! I'm sorry. Hang on a minute. You How is dumbass. that not? How is that not defensive pass interference? It is. All the flags, stupid. They didn't. Th- they didn't throw the flag. How is that not DPI? Yeah, I know. It's, I've always said the refs are blind as bats. That is. I, I cannot believe they missed that. Twenty-two. Se- Twenty-two seconds left for Oklahoma. Third and ten. And run it, it run looks it like oh. no, that was not catchable. Anyways, no, that wasn't we'll catchable. Give it anyways, that actually, that looked like it went out of bounds. Anyways, I don't think it would have even been in play. Yeah, even if even if the receiver made the catch. So fourth and ten here. This is going to be. Uh, Pretty much the game because 
Oklahoma, unless they unless they choose to, uh, they don't have any timeouts left, so they can't really uh, they can't really afford to keep the ball in play. Oh, it's not going to matter anyway because that's a sack. That's a sack and game over. Oklahoma State. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think Great it's game. safe to say the the college football playoff just got a little more interesting. Yes. Because Oklahoma State, they have now inserted themselves into the conversation with a 37-33 to 33 victory over Oklahoma. What do you think, Lou? I mean... Uh, a, a yeah. slim win over a slim win over the tenth ranked Oklahoma Sooners. Could that be enough to potentially uh, to potentially catapult them? It's a possibility. Wow, that is unbelievable. So Oklahoma State improves to eleven and one. Oklahoma, the the Sooners, they fall to ten and two, and that may potentially have been Lincoln Riley's last game. Well, actually, no, the bowl game will be the last game, yeah. uh, but it'll be the last regular season game potentially for Lincoln Riley as the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. Oh yeah, that ball wasn't catchable. No. The ball, I mean, that would have been one hell of a stretch. That would have been one hell of a stretch if if the receiver was able to stay in bounds. But that ball oh, yeah. was clearly headed out anyways. But anyways, you know, going uh, going to the Thanksgiving games, probably the biggest shocker to me was the Raiders basically yeah. outgunning the Cowboys, 36-33. Yeah. I mean, Hunter Renfro had career highs in catches with eight and uh, receiving yards with 134. Uh, you know, I don't think there was really that much more that uh, that Dak Prescott could have done. 375 yards, two touchdown throws. Uh, I mean, they didn't really have much of a run game, so it was basically relying on receivers. Michael Gallup had 106 yards on five catches. Uh, Cedric Wilson had seven catches on 100 or, or seven catches for 104 yards. Noah Brown six catches for 53 yards. Dalton Schultz three for 46 and a touchdown. Uh, Sean McKeon had a 10-yard catch for a touchdown. You know, I there's not – I don't think there was really anything more that the Cowboys could have done. It's just yeah. they got outgunned by Derek Carr. And the fact that uh, they also had Josh Jacobs, you know, uh, put up 87 yards, including a touchdown on Dallas. And, you know, I got to say, probably the most disappointing thing about this game was – there were 28 penalties called. Yeah. 
for a combined a combined yardage of 276 yards worth of penalties. I mean, it's almost if it's it's almost as if Sean Hockley basically made this game about the uh, about the refs instead of about the two teams. Yes, like your father. Well, I mean, let's face it. Ed Hockley all gave every used to give everybody tickets to the gun show every single week with those uh, yeah. flexing flexing those big guns uh, yeah. every week. So. But Hockley, you know, Sean Hockley, I mean, this may have been his, his wor- maybe his worst officiated game to date, I think. Yeah. I mean, not for definitely the, the, like, you know, Ed either. No, but still, Ed, Ed, for the most part, was mainly fair with a lot of his calls that he, uh, with a lot of his calls that he put out there. I mean, the number was pretty huge. I mean, I, I forget if it was the Cowboys or if it was Vegas, but one side had 20 of the 28 penalties called against them. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a major number discrepancy, basically. But, you know, it's just Vegas, man, they – you know, even a lot of people thought that once they once uh, John once John Gruden was forced to step down, that maybe the 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 Raiders would uh, would would sort of fall from grace. And you know, for the most part, they're kind of staying in there. I mean, the Chiefs are ahead in the AFC West, but not by much. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much just a just a game lead, I think, right now. So. You know, it's yeah, lead to lead. Still catchable, though. I guess it's still it's catchable. Still, yeah, but this time of year, uh, you know, a lead to lead, basically. Yes. Yeah, and the uh, you know the the Buffalo New Orleans game. I mean, with the fact that New Orleans was basically playing without an offense, you know, this that result didn't really shock me that much. Uh, Thirty-one to six win for Buffalo. I mean, it's not really much of a surprise to me. And uh, obviously, the teams that are on bye this week, there's no Arizona Cardinal game and there's no Kansas City Chief game, so. We have all these other games uh, that are that are on tap this week. And Lou, you know what? You're actually doing pretty good this week. Let me bring up. Thank God. The let me bring up the picks that you made because you're actually, I believe, you might wait. Where is the picks document? Uh, you might be on tap for a potential perfect week. Let me see. All right. Yeah, Oklahoma State with a win. You're four and zero right now. All right, because Ole Miss Ole Miss won outright, so they covered. Uh, South Florida, uh, they covered. Oklahoma State covered with their win, and Buffalo covered with their blowout win. So you just need Green Bay to win outright. Uh, you need Baltimore to win by three and a half, and you need Washington to uh, 
to win by uh, by a point, and you will have a perfect week. I've never had one of those before. Well, I think it's entirely possible you could have it because, I mean, Green Bay, you know, their matchup's going to be tough against the Rams, but I think that they could potentially pull it off, even though Aaron Rodgers okay. is dealing with the uh, Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. is dealing with the fractured toe. Uh, but he has been We're playing so through sick. it the past. Well, no, that's what that's what he cl- he claims he fractured the toe. Uh, yeah, but if he's fractured, he shouldn't be playing. You would think, but then again, who knows what type of fracture it is? It could be, it could be a minor fracture to where, mm. you know, maybe. Pra- and who knows? Who knows what type of? Who knows if it's even on his plant foot? It might be. I don't even know if it's on his plant foot. Sure. But uh, you know, there was this. There was this huge thing that people said he had COVID toe or something. Which basically, COVID toe is uh, the toe turns purple. The toe turns purple, and it supposedly has lesions start to form on the toe. And I mean, I've seen. I've seen some pictures of it. It's pretty nasty, uh, but clearly, you know, uh, he came, he came back on the uh, Pat McAfee show this week, and clearly, it's not the case. He, he even showed his toe right on camera, and it's why no would you want to do that? Well, you know, to to shut up all of the uh, to shut up all the people who are spreading a whole bunch of nonsense about him. Sure, but why would you want to gross everybody out? I mean, I don't know, but you know, just just the fact that it, that you know they were saying that he had COVID toe, you know. Yeah. I mean, I had never heard of COVID toe before it was That's even brought up. Thing. Right. So it's it's it, it's it's just ridiculous, but. Yeah, it's to say, you know, what else you got? You got COVID, you got? You got, uh, COVID leg, uh, COVID arm. Hey, you uh, never know. COVID schlong, a COVID ass, you know. Right, yeah, you, you never. You, you never know what else, what else there could uh, what else could be potentially classified. I might, as I might buy though COVID, COVID ass. Something. I might, I might buy that one though. Oh boy. Well, man, you're not. You're probably not going to have much of an ass anymore if you have COVID ass. Considering what COVID toe was no, described you still, as, you can still be one. True, that's true. You know, cons- considering what they what they described COVID toe as, you know, I'd find it hard to believe that uh, you know people people who would have COVID ass wouldn't have a wouldn't, or would even have an ass anymore. But that's besides and the point. Get- yeah, and over you, you guys are there. You can have a coat. You can have a COVID schlong. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, no. Uh, that's yeah, like my my second shot. Ah, yikes! Don't even want to think about that. No, of but, course not. Uh, but uh, we do have. Um, but the thing with new diseases popping up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, what's you never next? Know, so. Yeah. Uh, Some other things around the league. Uh, The Titans, I forgot to mention, they also placed Marcus Johnson, 
on injured reserve with a hamstring issue. Uh, pretty big loss, actually, for their uh, for their offense as he had nine catches for 160 yards on 19 targets across seven games. So he is forced to miss the rest of the season because it's his second stint on injured reserve this year. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick will take his place until Julio Jones will be activated following Tennessee's bye week, which is scheduled to be next week. Uh, Also, you know, there were rumors that if the Chicago Bears lost like they did on – on Thanksgiving, or no, they didn't lose, they won. But, uh, you know, there were reports that supposedly if Chicago had lost, that head coach Matt Nagy would reportedly be fired following the Thanksgiving game. Uh, right. And uh, this prompted the Bears' brass to address Matt Nagy, and con- and he they basically told him that the rumor, the reports were a complete lie, uh, team chairman George McCaskey and CEO Ted Phillips both told Nagy that a re- that a Tuesday report of his imminent firing was not true, as that's how he this is how he learned about it through social media, I guess. Uh, McCaskey and Phillips then told Bears players the same thing on Wednesday. Uh, the organization was noticeably slow, though, to knock down these rumors that Nagy would get the pink slip following the Bears' Thanksgiving game against Detroit. Uh, I had some about so now, even if they were thinking about firing him, they can't do it now at this point, uh, right? Without lo- without looking even more ridiculous. So, you know, the, this organization is in complete disarray. So at this point, they're going to be headed into a complete and total rebuild next year. Uh, but. You know, considering that they did, considering that they they addressed those rumors, I still wouldn't be shocked if they did ultimately end up firing him uh, at the end of the year, possibly. That may be what they're waiting for. Because I mean, think about it. There is uh, what did they call it? Black Monday or something? Black Monday. Um, last game. Black of, Monday after the last game of regular season. Yep. So it is possible maybe they're waiting until that time before they uh before they yeah. decide to let him go. But you know, who knows? There's still there's still more games to for him to uh prove, you know, that maybe there is uh there is something going on with his system that perhaps would yeah. be a uh a reason for Chicago to keep him around. Right. I mean, who knows? But uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, we do have some NHL news. Uh, Braden Point of the Tampa Bay Lightning, he will reportedly miss the next four to six weeks. Uh, with a uh, upper body injury. He was injured during last Saturday's game, 
Uh, he has seven goals and 13 points in 16 games this season. And considering that the Lightning are already without Nikita Kucherov, missing Braden Point is a significant blow to their forward core and now puts further pressure on Steven Stamkos and Alex Kalorn to now carry the offense uh, in Point's absence, as well as Kucherov's absence as well. Uh, also, the Ottawa Senators, they put Matt Murray on waivers in a uh, a bit of a shocker earlier today. Uh, Senators coach DJ Smith said that Murray will probably be sent to the N- to the AHL if he goes unclaimed. Uh, the right. hope is to the hope is to get him potentially going, uh, you know, this season with the with an eye towards perhaps bringing him back up later on this season. He is still signed through the 2023-2024 season, so naturally the Senators are invested in the hope that he can bounce back. And considering the start to the season he's had, it kind of makes sense, I guess, why they're sending him down. He has, through six games, he is 0-5 with a 3.26 goals against average and a save percentage of 89% though he does have a career record of 127 wins, 71 losses, and 20 overtime losses with a career goals against average of 276. So if if there's a team that's looking for goaltender help, it is entirely possible, I believe, that Matt Murray could get claimed. Yeah. Despite despite his big contract that he has. Oh, and he also has a career save percentage of ninety one point one percent. You know, this is a this is a, a goaltender who has two hundred and thirty two career games in the NHL. They're taking a yes. pretty big risk that no, they're taking a pretty big risk that nobody is gonna is gonna pick him up. I mean, wouldn't you think, Lou, that maybe a team that, you know, that may be struggling for goaltending help, they see uh, a quality goaltender like this get put up on the uh, on the waiver market and maybe perhaps they kind of feel, you know, with maybe a change of scenery yeah. could potentially do them good? Yeah, I think I have to agree on that one. Because I mean, let's fa- let's face it. You know, uh, yes. First off, he, uh, you know, la- last year he did have a ten thirteen and one record, but uh, you know, he is That's a former very good, thirty-two. Not very respectable. No, but uh, you know, uh, keep in mind, most of his career he played with Pittsburgh. The last two years, including including this year, uh, this year and last year, he's played with Ottawa. I mean, that's a pretty big step down between yeah, uh, you know playing down. between playing for Ottawa and playing for Pittsburgh. I mean that's a pretty big step down. Yes. And Ottawa is in dead last. You know well I, I should say dead last in the Eastern Conference. Uh they are. So you know if there's any team that could potentially use goaltending help it's because enti- keep in mind a goaltender is only as good as the defense that's in front of them. 
I was going to say that, yes, that's definitely true. And actually, actually, I stand corrected. Ottawa is indeed in dead last in the entire NHL. Mm-hmm. Arizona is ahead of them by one point. But still, you know, there a goaltender yes. is only as good is is only as good as the defense that's put in front of them. So, considering he's playing in Ottawa, chances are there's probably not a lot of talent in front of him. So. Yeah, if there's a team that's in need of of goaltending help, Ottawa, I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked at all if they decide to pick him up off of waivers. Right. Ottawa's always been. Ottawa's always been bad. Yeah, they've been bad. They've been bad since uh, since Alfredson left. I mean, they were never really that great of a team to begin with since they came into the came into the league. Much. No, but you know they were at least respectable to where they would they would make the playoffs. You know, back when they had Jason Spezza and Daniel Alfredson, and then once Spezza left and Alfredson left, or Alfredson retired, I should say, not not he right. not that he exactly left, but you know once they lost a couple of their key pieces, you know, they really started to become a joke basically uh, within right. the league. So, but you know, Ottawa at one point, they were, they were a contending, you know, a contending football team or not football. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at NFL network right now for some reason. Uh, they were a contending NHL team. So, I if I I still think it's a big mistake for them to uh, to get rid of Matt Murray, especially with the contract that he signed with them. Because right, if you get if if you give him a chance to to latch to latch on with another team, potentially if they decide to take on his contract. You know, you're basically giving away a quality gold, a quality goaltender at 27 years old, for nothing essentially, because he gets claimed off of waivers. You're getting nothing out of that deal. So I think I think it was definitely a big mistake uh, for Ottawa to send him down to Binghamton. Yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe perhaps they're, they're obviously betting on maybe perhaps that he will, you know, playing in the AHL will get him uh, back to playing winning hockey and will get his confidence back up and stuff like that, you know, so perhaps maybe that's what they're betting on. But actually, let me take a look at where does their and actually it's not Binghamton, it's Belleville. So they moved from they moved the Binghamton Senators to Belleville, and Belleville isn't really doing that good in the AHL either. Nine and eight, no. uh, a nine and eight record. So 
I mean, it's better. It's better than their than their uh, than the Ottawa Senators, but still not really uh, not really that much better. But I don't know. You know, maybe they feel that him playing him playing against lesser talent uh, could possibly yeah. help boost his confidence. Uh, until he gets called back up, and then he realizes, "Oh shit, I have a shit defense in front of me." So now I'm going to. Uh... You said it, not me. Well, it's true. It's yeah, true. He does. Well, I mean, there. What he would think, you know. He, he, you know the you goal. Know. You know the the goal differential. They have a negative twenty-seven goal differential ah. in the league. And that is good for one, two, three. The third worst goal differential in the league, only ahead of Montreal and uh, Arizona. Arizona, I would have figured. Montreal, though, you know, Montreal is pretty bad, too. Six, six, fifteen, and two. And actually, their assistant general manager stepped down today. After uh, after he was uh, the Canadians had declined to promote him, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, things aren't looking good for the Canadian teams. So, I'll just put it that way. I mean, really, yeah. the only the only Canadian the only Canadian team that's in a good well, actually, no, there's a, a couple. Edmonton's in a good spot. Calgary's in a good spot, especially with Daniel Vladar. What a huge pickup for Calgary uh, in the goaltending department. Uh, only getting uh, only having to give up a third round pick to Boston for him. Uh, Vladar, I believe, is uh, I believe is still uh, unbeaten in regulation this year. Um, but you know, Toronto, they got Toronto who's in second place in the Atlantic division. Uh, they're basically neck and neck with Florida right now. You got Edmonton and Calgary leading the Pacific. And then you have, I mean, Winnipeg, they're on the border when it comes to potential, uh, playoff position, in the Western Conference. Uh, Vancouver's in dead last in the Pacific, and Ottawa's in dead last in the Atlantic. So, you know, it's kind of even when you think about it. Uh, Now, the Ottawa Senators, they did not – they weren't done there because they did claim Adam Gaudet off of waivers from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, he had a goal and an assist in eight games with Chicago this year. He is on currently a one-year veteran minimum contract, so slightly under a million dollars for Adam Gaudet. Uh, let's see. Some other little bits of news. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, they signed left-handed pitcher Aaron Loop 
to a two-year, $15 million contract with a $7.5 million option for 2024. Uh, he will make $7.5 million in each of the next two seasons, and the buyout on his option is reportedly $2 million. Um, he put up a, nine, a .95 ERA and a 57-16 to 16 strikeout-to-walk ratio over – 56 and two-thirds innings for the New York Mets this past season. Uh, the Giants, they re-signed right-handed pitcher Anthony Desclafani to a three-year, $36 million contract. Uh, they did not want to extend, or they didn't extend him a qualifying offer, but they wound up retaining him anyways. Uh, he had the best season of his career this year, holding a 3.17 goals against, or not goals against, uh, ERA, uh, along with a 152 to 42 strikeout to walk ratio over 167 and two thirds innings, covering 31 starts. Uh, his ERA against non-Dodgers teams was 2.37. Uh, and also, there are reports out there that the Giants are close to re-signing Alex Wood. Uh, supposedly, it is a two-year deal worth more than $10 million per season. Uh, he bounced back from two injury-shortened subpar years with a 3.83 ERA this year, along with a 152 to 39 strikeout-to-walk ratio over 138 and two-thirds innings. Uh, in 2021. Uh, doesn't He still doesn't seem like a great bet to stay healthy, but it is considered to be a relatively modest investment for a guy who should remain effective when he is yeah. uh, officially on the mound. Uh, the Pirates, they have reached an agreement on a one-year deal with free agent Southpaw Jose Quintana, uh, believed to be in the neighborhood of $2 million. He's coming off of a miserable campaign where he posted a 6.43 ERA over 63 innings between the Angels and the Giants. So considering the lack of depth and uncertainty in their starting rotation, it's likely that Quintana will be given the opportunity to pitch out of the Pirates rotation to begin the season. It's kind of sad when you have to dive in uh, for a, for a six point four three ERA pitcher, uh, yeah. and I'm I guarantee you they signed him mainly based off of what he's done in the past, uh, yeah. as opposed to what he did this past uh, this past season. Uh, also, the Pirates they did re-sign Yoshi Tsutsugo to a one-year four million dollar deal. Uh, they were able to agree to terms just shortly before Thanksgiving. Uh, after brief stints with the contending Rays and Dodgers early last year, uh, he excelled upon arrival in Pittsburgh, slashing a 268 batting average with eight homers across 144 plate appearances for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, also, the Detroit Tigers, they have reportedly discussed a contract potentially with free agent shortstop Javier Baez within the last mm -hmm. several days. Uh, Buster Olney also reported that the Tigers spoke with both Marcus Simeon and Carlos Correa before recently shifting their focus to Baez, who will likely be less expensive. Uh, 
Uh, he is expected, like I mentioned earlier, to sign before the league's collective bargaining agreement expires on December 1st after he hit 265 last year with 31 homers and 18 stolen bases between the Mets and the Cubs. So doesn't mean he will sign with the Tigers, but he is expected to sign with some sort of team uh, before yeah. then. Uh, also, the Milwaukee Brewers, they have reached an agreement on a one-year, $1.9 million contract with free agent backstop Pedro Severino. Uh, the deal is still pending a physical, also includes an additional 400000 in incentives. Uh, he hit two forty-eight this year with 11 homers and 46 RBIs, uh, as well as a ratio of 109 strikeouts to 34 walks uh, with the Orioles during the 2021 campaign. All right. So that is probably going to do it for us uh, for tonight's show. Um, Just a a reminder uh, for – Survivor uh, for Survivor recap show fans. Uh, obviously, we had the show last night. Uh, this upcoming week, we will be going back to our regular uh, our regular day of Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, hosted uh, by Jim Early. Of course, without him, uh, these podcasts wouldn't be possible to bring to you guys. Uh, so, yeah, we will be back on the regular the regular day of Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, of course, as far as Sports Whispers Weekly goes, uh, it'll be we'll be back on sat- next Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern as well. Uh, and once again, if you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. You can also subscribe by going to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music by just searching Missy AE, and you'll get access to all of our podcasts that we've done in the past, Uh, whether you're a fan of Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race, maybe you're a fan of sports and would like to listen to to our shows uh, for Sports Whispers Weekly. You'll find all of those shows on the uh, on the archives, even dating as far back as 2016, I think, 2016 or 2015. Uh, all of the shows are there. Uh, but yeah, you know that's going to do it yeah, for us I've tonight. Been here uh, about that long, around 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 that time frame. But uh, but Lou, thanks for joining me uh, as always, and uh, everybody have a good rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we will see you guys next week for another edition of Sports Whispers Good Weekly. Good night, everybody. <laughs>